We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. The Bernstein and Holmes Show. Some texter wants to tear down Gurney Mills. See, this is my favorite part where people just say what they want to tear you down. You know what this is? This is a corollary of when there's like a lineup change at the station and the next week is just people saying who they want fired. I'll tell you what, there's a building near me that's falling down and filled with rats and they should condemn that thing. Their ex's house. You knew an ex was going to get their house torn down for the Bears Stadium. I like the person that says tear down Lake Michigan. <laughs> Good idea. Football boat. Let's just get a boat and let's put the Bear Stadium on a boat. Permission to be ridiculous here? Sure. What's going on with reality shows and islands? Why is everything on an island because now? Because you Maritime can't get off. off. You can't get away. And there's the implication of danger. Think about it. She's out in the middle of nowhere with some dude she barely knows. You know, she looks around and what does she see? Nothing but open ocean. Ah, oh, there's nowhere for me to run. What am I going to do? Say no? She would never say no because of the implication. You said that word implication a couple of times. What, what implication? How you been? You good? Bernstein and Hope. Middays 10 a.m. till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's 50 damn degrees on February 1st, or at least it's going to be at some point this afternoon. The sun is out. You buried the lead. Abundant sunshine in Chicago the first day of February. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. There you go. There's good luck for the rest of the month. Now you got it. I lost the rabbit, rabbit, rabbit game today. Beth beat us to it in the family group chat. Okay. Darn it. I know. I mean, he's not going to be awake. So I never worried about that because usually between Beth and Zoe and me, and then Zoe. She just said it at midnight. You can't do that. But that's it's the first. It's supposed to be that when you wake up, it's 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 wake up at midnight. If you're already no, that's not. You can't. You you, you can wake up at four thirty without an alarm. I sometimes I do, but that's just to go pee. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go. You don't start your day and take notes. Well, I, then, then wash a car. I have washed my then car. Rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. And then and then I go to the George Hallis statue. As you should, and, and then and then I do my prayer breakfast, and as you should, and and then I can start my day. That seems like a full day. And then I grant an audience to whichever journalist has has paid homage and and given me my weight in gold. Our editor at six seventy thescore dot com, Cody Westerland, mm-hmm. pig. pig, 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 Westerland. Mm-hmm. He did a write up on you. Do you remember this? Yes. He this did. was about a month ago. Yeah, when he, he, yeah. I, he shared that. Yeah, I had him send it to me. Your entire day. Mm-hmm. He covered your entire day. He did it as if it were a Kevin Warren article. 605 farts. <laughs> well, but that's part of the prayer. It, that's, that's only done reverentially. 606, put chicken in plastic Ziploc bag. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he had the whole 607, thing. wash It's car. a prayer to bless the chicken. Well, that's part of it. You have to. It's, it's a Santeria ritual, actually. I don't practice Santeria. Don't got I don't no got crystal, crystal, crystal ball. ball. We are. We've had quite the beginning of the show yeah, already, right? haven't we? What are you 
are you doing? We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And we are going to speak with Alex Brown at 11. I have a feeling that we're going to bring back some of the things that Spice Adams had to say about it. <laughs> Spice was so great. I know. It was always great. Uh, we're going to do High Noon. I've got a very special announcement at High Noon, a big, important, special announcement that you are going to want to hear. Okay. Matt Bowen at noon, Jason Leisure at 1, and all sorts of stuff coming up. But what is going on in college football when coaches are like, yeah, I'm I'm – Deuces, taillights, you can have this. I'm going to go be a coordinator and sit in a, in a heated booth behind a pane of glass, and you can have all this. I think that there there's so much that's going on. Like, the landscape of college football has changed so rapidly over the last two years that coaches have been caught a little bit flat-footed. Like, More than a little. You guys that are walking away from the game, like I'm sure that it played a role in why Nick Saban is like, you know what, I've I've done everything that I need to do for the game. I'm gonna go boogie boarding from now on and sit on one of my many estates. Well, that- people are also mentioning that the job of college football coach is a far cry from what it was in this particular environment. When you can, you're, anytime your phone rings, half your team could be gone. Anytime you get a text, your quarterback could leave. And I read there was some unnamed coach who mentioned in one of the articles that I read that current college players have more leverage than NFL players. Explain. They're not under contract. And the the toothless NCAA is just chasing its own tail. And any of these crackdowns that they've had have been against these collectives and essentially for tampering, but everybody's doing everything. And anytime somebody points a finger at one school, another school's like, well, you're doing that too. How dare you that everybody's glass housing everything? Well, you're everyone's tampering where what's happening is somebody close to a player is calling up a school and saying, oh, let's, let's just say so-and-so was in the portal. What would be available for him NIL-wise? Let's just say. So everybody's being recruited all the time. So coaches have to constantly be reassuring their own players. Everybody who's at a certain school, is there's, it's never over. Where in the pros, that's tampering. You get docked draft picks for that. You get in real trouble coming after. You can't even talk. I mean, you know the penalties for even talking about a player under contract? When executives are asked or coaches are asked, you can't mention another player on another team. But in college, it's happening everywhere. And players who are established, a starting quarterback of a major program, at any point can constantly have people gauging where there might be more, better money opportunity, no matter what their commitment has been. I am not – I do not feel bad for – college football coach no i'm not asking you i'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm not playing know, the violin I know, for them i know I'm you're not it's why they're leaving for the pros but i don't feel bad for them because they have had it like burger king their their entire lives they've been able to dictate how everything goes and in a threaten to leave they've been the ones who they were like oh maybe i'll go to this give me more money give me more money and now they're getting a little taste they ain't no fun when the chicken's got the gun and think about all of the things chicken that happen rabbit. it's rabbit rabbit but you can use chicken too um think of all the things that they do to threaten players on a yearly basis because the scholarship isn't for five years it's 
five single year scholarships that they can they can pull your scholarship at any time and and they often will threaten people at the lower parts of their roster with that to run them off yep. yes that they're they're looking for improvement on a roster and they've had it they've had a sweet deal and a sweet ride for a long time and now that the ride isn't so sweet and easy we've seen coaches not just college football this is part of the reason Jay Wright walked away from from Villanova as well now that it's that the landscape is changing and there is a power dynamic shift they're struggling with well, what does this mean to me what has happened to my power what's my job what is my job now do i have to add jobs to what it is that we do from a football standpoint now well there are new jobs in college football there are new de facto jobs that that defy easy categorization yes so why don't we take a break and let's talk about this because we we ran across a piece that i think honestly went under the radar as to really telling you what's happening in college football in particular dan and i are gonna work through it and talk through it and we look forward to your feedback it's bernstein and holmes here with you until two on the score you're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. Yeah, it was it was tough. Uh, I was torn. My wife, kids, uh, I love Michigan, but I love the NFL too. And uh, there's no Lombardi trophy in, in college football. And, yeah, I got so many sands left in the hourglass, and I want, I want to take a crack at that. And there's, there's uh, nowhere better to do it than with the Los Angeles Chargers. Like sand through the hourglass. Or, or sands. Or sands. Or grains of sand. However you want to phrase it. Jim Harbaugh. Or sands sand. Is leaving. What a good idea. Because he's chasing the Lombardi trophy. And he can leave this this swirl of insanity that has become major college sports to other people. Because now these these college staffs have to have a lot more than coaches on them. No doubt about it. And his staff was one of the people that had this be a whole thing. Last night, you know, I'm, I'm flipping around on reels. And every now and again, I'm, I'm guessing it's just in my algorithm. Max Brown, who was a quarterback at USC, he was talking about a position in college football now called general manager. He was talking about a player that, a former player that had that role, and his name was was Chris Morgan, right? Chris Morgan. Mm-hmm. So he did that job at the University of Michigan, and then he did that job at the University of Washington. So two teams that he built faced off, and so th- that was kind of the whole crux of the piece is that. The 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 guy who built the two teams that were in the championship, that's what the story, Ari Wasserman wrote it for The Athletic. It's a really good story. We're trying to get Ari on the show to talk about it. Think about that. I've heard even of, I've heard a lot of coaches that have been trying to, whether it's put someone on a staff or if they're trying to put more women or minorities on staffs will use the term chief of staff 
for college football, I had never really heard of the term general manager. And this guy was the general manager of both teams. He's now the general manager of Alabama because he went with Kalen DeBoer down to Tuscaloosa after Nick Saban retired. And what we're talking about here is someone who understands, like, usually this guy, and I, I don't, I don't want to paint him as, like, a dark, shadowy figure, but usually this was the guy that we knew about but was never legitimized. Well, it used to be you'd also have a bag man. But that, that's what I mean. Where now it's a combination of recruiter, coach, agent. It really is is, and and sometimes you got pro personnel people too. That you have the equivalent of people on your staff whose job it is to be a liaison to your collective, to to make sure you know what money is available for anyone on any other team should they express interest. Courtney Morgan, not. Chris Morgan. Courtney Morgan is who we're talking about. I literally, like, the person that we were talking about putting on the show texted me that. I told him, call the show. We want to talk to you about it. But anyway, yeah, I'm fascinated by all of this because it's showing that there has to be, like, a real structure that has to take place in the new world that is NIL. And you know me. I'm all about, I want kids to be able to go wherever they want. Like, I, I, I'm I, glad that there is a free agency. I know that there's some chaos that is that has now happened because of it. But I am fascinated by this. That, that this is, you. if you're trying to get ahead of things, then you better have someone who's going to help you out in this regard. You got to have someone who is more than one, at, le- more, but, but, at least one. But you got to some have major someone that that understands this better than you know we do, and they do because you have coaches that have kind of been set in their ways for decades in some cases, and now this is the new frontier. How are you going to go about getting the players that you want? And how many times have we heard stories, Dan, about coaches stockpiling at the bottom of a roster? Well, that's over. That's way over. That's over. The idea that you're going to be at your skill positions, you're going to be 15 deep, and just your three running backs go down, and then you've got some freshman who you were going to redshirt. You're like, oh, you're in a 4-3? All right, get in there and and take it and, and go to the house. Not that way anymore. Oh, okay, so we have a, a, a someone who actually covers college football. My – office mate, Adam Rittenberg, you know, college football writer for ESPN, who happened to be listening because he's probably, like, trying to go through his notes from what Caitlin Clark was doing last night uh, up in Evanston. Adam, how are you, man? I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, great show. Uh, I was actually driving down to DePaul for my class, and so I wanted to give my guy, uh, Courtney Morgan, some love because he has done a great job, uh, like you guys said, building two outstanding teams. He's actually a former Michigan player, who then went from Michigan to Washington and then you know, had, had those two connections. So. so so is I imagine that this is now a position that a lot of head coaches are going to try and get. From what you've been able to figure out, what what is the role of the general manager in a college football program? 
Yeah, it's a good question. It kind of started a few years ago, and it's become much more popular. Uh, it's certainly a personnel-based role. It's not dissimilar from your director of player personnel, but you have a role also in staffing and you know, kind of overseeing a program along with the head coach. That person is usually very co- close to the head coach. When Kalen DeBoer took the Alabama job, I remember I was talking with Courtney that same day, and by that night, he was getting off a plane with Kalen DeBoer in Tuscaloosa. So usually if you like your general manager and that person's done a good job, especially in the personnel space, you are going to take that person with you everywhere, kind of like a strength coach or if you're really in love with one of your coordinators. So it, it is a new position, uh, but, but a very important one in college football. What have been the, the complaints that you've heard levied from current coaches or coaches who either took new jobs or walked away from college football overall? Well, I think in general, I just think that the lifestyle in the NFL uh, is just much, much better. It has been, and it's gotten even better because of the changes in college football with the schedule. I mean, the month of December, guys, think about this, especially with the expanded playoff. If you're preparing a team for the most important teams of the season, you're also having to deal with high school recruiting. Most high school recruits sign around December 20th. You also have to deal with the transfer portal opening uh, the Monday after championship weekend. So it's almost like the, the preparing for the playoffs is like third on the list. You have to recruit your own roster. You've got to add your recruits from high school. You've got to make sure you're, you're attending to the portal. So it's a mess, and it's still going on. I mean, there's very few breaks in the calendar, and I know people don't want to cry for coaches who are making millions of dollars or at least the high six figures, but it, I think it's showing that if you can get to the NFL even as a coordinator, even as kind of a fake coordinator, and we have those in college too, you're probably going to consider that job strongly just because of the lifestyle improvement you'll have at that level. Adam, it was fascinating to me and really eye-opening to hear so many people talking about how far behind the curve what whatever is left of the NCAA enforcement arm is or has right now. That they're, they don't know what they don't know. And even as they're trying to to police tampering, they can't. And essentially... This person said that college players have more leverage than NFL players do because of the the tampering structure that's in place in a league with actual contracts. That anybody representing a player could say, hey, we're just saying here, but just talking. What if so-and-so were in the portal? What would your collective have available for NIL if this person were interested? And that there's no way that it can be policed. No, the only way it can happen, Dan, and more college coaches are are on board with this when I talk to them, is to go to a full employment model. It just makes it cleaner. And I understand from the college's side, oh, we can't do that, Title IX, but, but from a football standpoint, if a football player is on a contract, and you can negotiate that in recruiting. Are you signing for a year, two years, three years? it gives the teams a lot more security because you know that that player is unable to go into the portal, but they've done this to themselves by not getting ahead of NIL, by letting that period when all those waiver requests were coming in, including one from Justin Fields from Mm -hmm. Georgia to Ohio state, that was kind of rubber stamped. Then you're getting to the portal and to the one-time transfer deal with collectives and money thrown around. It's really a chaotic sport right now. And I don't know other than going again to full on employment with collective bargaining and very clear guidelines on either side how it it calms down to a degree from a personnel standpoint how close are we to the football schools abandoning the NCAA 
overall? You know, it's interesting, Lawrence. In the spring of 2022, there's a big meeting every spring out in Arizona where all the many of the, the, the major athletic directors and coaches are in one spot. And coming out of that meeting in 2022, I thought we were really close. And then they kind of walked it back. But I think when, when you see, you know, these, these, these you know, cherry-picked situations that the NCAA is now going to say, we're coming after you, Florida State, and we're coming after you, Tennessee, I, I do think it pushes that group closer and closer to finding a solution for football, at least, that's away from the NCAA. I, again, I thought we'd be there uh, very close already. I do think these enforcement situations accelerate that process. I think we take it a step further. I think if you really are trying to get ahead of it, it's time to divorce the football team from the, the, university. the university. And essentially, if these are make pro- it club, if these are professional teams, whatever you have to do, rather than it be, you can call it whatever you want and do the paperwork however you want. But essentially, these are minor league professional teams, these are developmental teams that happen to carry the banner of a given university. Right, and, and, and you, you've already had you know, a lot of these booster organizations that are separate anyway, so I think we could certainly get there uh, potentially in the next few years. I think there just needs to be a greater acknowledgement of, of what it is. And um, you know, these individual situations, even though they're difficult for the schools to go through, I think do shine a spotlight on this is how it's being done. And it's being done this way at a lot of a lot of places. Tennessee feels like they're being victimized, but but it really does happen to to different degrees uh, you know, around the country in college football. We're talking with Adam Rittenberg, senior college football writer for ESPN. He was just kind of listening and driving to work at at DePaul, which I'll get to you in a minute. Dan and I have spent a lot of time this week talking a, a lot more women's college basketball yeah. than we usually do. Part of the reason for that is incredible players like Caitlin Clark. What was that like seeing that up close and watching the impact that she's had on the game? It, it was amazing, guys. You know, I, I'd been doing some advanced reporting for a, a larger story on you know the, the Caitlin Clark Roadshow, so to speak. So I talked to some uh, other, you know, talked to Lisa Bluter, their coach. I talked to some other schools where she played road games, but to actually see it. To see the line, you know, stretching from the Welsh Ryan Arena exits all the way to Ashland Avenue, you're talking to people who'd shown up at you know, 10 a.m. or you know, one in the afternoon for a seven o'clock game because most of these women's basketball games are general admission. So it is first come, first serve as far as positioning yourself for Caitlin Clark and then people hanging over the tunnel. I, I, I was kind of standing behind the tunnel as she came out last night to the locker room after the game, and I, I just had never seen a college athlete you're treated like that from a security standpoint, from photographers, obviously from fans. She's signing some autographs, and she is genuinely appreciative of, of the position she's in. But you know, two security officers get you know escorting her in through through the back entrance to the arena. It, it's it's quite a phenomenon. I, you know, somebody brought up Jimmer Fredette, People on social media last night that may be a comp, but I, I have not seen too many individual college athletes that are able to cross over to the mainstream and capture as many people as she has. There were obviously a lot of Iowa people there last night, but I think there were just a lot of people in Iowa stuff because they love Caitlin Clark. How much does she make yearly in NIL? Ooh, I mean, it's, it's you know, certainly with the State Farm and the Gatorade. And, I mean, she's, she, she, she's, she's, she's up there um, at the very top, Dan. And it's going to be very interesting to see what she does because she can return to Iowa 
for another season because of the COVID year, or, or obviously move on to the to, to the to the WNBA. But that's why I ask. She she's going to make a lot more yeah. money in, in, in that she would in I the WNBA. Yeah, yeah. I, I think because of, of of this brand that she has built, being from Iowa, uh, you know, you know play, playing in the Big Ten and, and obviously in the NCAA tournament, there, there there is an argument to be made that she should stay and absolutely maximize every cent of her value at the college level before moving on to a league that has a lot of good players but doesn't have the, as many true national superstars as, as right now college uh, women's college basketball does. Well, what do you think about that phenomenon? I, w- I was joking about it earlier this week that if you were to ask like your average sports fan to name other than maybe Zach Eady on the men's side, I think that they would have a hard time. But I think that they know Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. You know what I mean? Like and Paige I, Becker is yeah, I, I think there there are some more it's we're at a strange place where the women's game might have more household names than the men's. And why hasn't Caitlin Clark been made why doesn't somebody double that why can't Connecticut right now say whatever you're making there, we'll double it? Or Stanford, whatever you're making there, we'll double it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly they, they can try. I think with their endorsements, it doesn't really matter. Um, but but there's you know there's certainly an argument. There was a, a, a top player, I, I forget her name, who went from Louisville to uh, LSU. Haley Van Lith uh, with yep. Angel Reed. Yep. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. So you can certainly you can certainly do that. I mean, I was at a, a Maryland, the Maryland Northwestern men's game uh, with my kids a few weeks ago, and the Northwestern students were all over Angel Reese's brother, saying, "You know, Angel's better. She makes more money than you." And like, yes, that's true. Right now, she is better. She does make more money, but it's great recognition that that you know, uh, e- even though they're kind of heckling this guy, uh, it's an acknowledgement of how far some of these star women's players have come. And I do wonder, is it, is it social media? Is it the way that Caitlin plays? Is it, is it is the way that some of these other uh, star players at the women's level have performed that have lifted them up? Because we all remember you know, all the great Connecticut players and the Tennessee players, uh, Candace Parker and others. Why have this group of players elevated so much? And like to your point, beyond the men, who typically are only one and done or two and done, um, they, you know, the, the Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark are, have been around for a while and really built their brands at the college level. Adam, you know you got to get to class, but I, I, speaking of the place where you're going to teach class, I had a, a texter bring this up last week, and it seemed crazy, and then I thought about it a little bit, and I've, I'm actually now like fully endorsing this idea. I would love to know what you would think about it. Do you think that it makes sense, as DePaul is looking for a new men's coach, for them to reach out to Dawn Staley? Oh, uh, you, you know, I think she's obviously had interest uh, or received interest rather um, for, for, for men's jobs, college and the NBA. It's worth a shot. I think what DePaul can't do, it, no matter which direction they go, is to get, you know, I, I don't want to say older, but I feel like they need somebody who's not descending on their career. They need somebody who's ascending who's maybe a young and upper comer or somebody that's just done well, who might only be there for three years yes. and then bounce to a bed. That's okay. That happens a lot of places. I don't know why DePaul has had this series of you know, kind of older coaches on the downside of their careers. Why do you have to be that? You can be something else, even if you're just a stepping stone, because at least it'll bring some success to, to this program. But, you know, Don Staley, I, you know, certainly somebody that they could 
reach out to. I don't know if it will go anywhere, but I, I, they have to be thinking broader because you can't have another bad hire. Each one of these bad hires just adds to the misery around this program. I was there, Lawrence, 2004, Buffalo, New York, the last time they made the NCAA tournament. You know, 20 years now, it's been it's been really depressing since. It, it really, really has. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Good luck with class today, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate you. That is Adam Rittenberg, senior college writer for ESPN. It's so funny because in our pre-show meeting, we, we, we were talking about it, and I said, we should really get Adam Rittenberg on this. Yes! And, and, then, and then Ray's like, you know, that might take a little more lead time. He's busy that he's with ESPN, so we have to get some permissions to maybe do that. And he was covering college right, basketball he's coming last on, night. So then we start talking, and he calls it. <laughs> Which is great. Fantastic. That's how, how it's supposed to work if you're doing it right. Yeah, Texer, don't sleep on, on Anissa Morrow. Yeah, I think that part of the problem at LSU this year is there's too much talent and not enough basketballs. And if you watch their game against Mississippi State this past week, you saw it. You saw it play out. They don't know who to go to when the game is on the line. Well, I thought but, they had the, the greatest coach in the world. Well, see, here here's the very interesting Even thing about she's that. A- Here's the very interesting thing about that. This year, Kim Mulkey, like, like people, people who don't like Kim do Mulkey, like are her. pointing to the fact of coach your team. Do you actually are you actually a good coach? Coach your team. We know that you're a good recruiter. Yep. But can you actually coach? Because there were moments like I think that she's turning. I think that she looks at Haley Van Lith and goes, "Me." And I don't think that Haley Van Lith is the same player as Kim Mulkey was. I think Haley Van Lith is a killer from the outside. Let her shoot. Remember when, when Kim Mulkey had COVID and she came out in the press conference she was, and she's like, I'm coughing on everybody and I might have COVID and I'm not getting a test. Yes. Like, oh, that's awesome. Great. Yes. It's really, I, it's really nice of you. I do remember yeah, that. Thanks, thanks. Thanks so much. It was unfortunate. Yeah. Lovely. Awesome. Let's do a, what I think is a positive follow-up to a story that depressed both of us. Let's let's find out what's happening with the the destruction of a Jackie Robinson statue and the good things that are happening because of it. Have they caught these goobers yet? I don't think so. Okay, it takes time. Nah, it shouldn't take time for guys that stupid. They'll they'll find them. Okay, we'll talk about that next on the score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes middays ten to two on Sports Radio six seventy The Score. It's Odyssey Station. Okay, so there was a life-size Jackie Robinson statue that was stolen from a park in Wichita. Not only was it stolen, it was broken apart and then burned. It was cut off at the feet, taken away in a pickup truck, and then cut up and burned beyond uh, usefulness or salvation. So that happened. The police are tracking it, and they think that they found the truck that the the statue was laid in. That's the terrible news. That's the awful news. That's the seemingly terrorist news here. The good news is, is that since then, Major League Baseball itself, all 30 clubs, and League 42, which is you know one of the, the offshoots of the Jackie Robinson Foundation, they're going to be replacing the statue. 
that baseball itself has said that they're going to play a significant role in getting the statue replaced. So that seems like good news. Do they understand the importance not only of Jackie Robinson, but what that statue might mean to all sorts of people in Wichita and beyond, and that they understand that that part of protecting Jackie Robinson's legacy is protecting Jackie Robinson's legacy. I just don't know. If you have the truck, how do you not have the perpetrators? Because police work takes time, Dan. You have the truck. It's got a license plate. Like, there's a car. Yes, but those people might have fled, and then you might have to find them. You want to make sure that you're finding the right people. By the way, the fundraiser has already, online fundraisers already surpassed 140000 It's like double the amount that they needed almost. I think it's closing in at 200000 at this point. Which is great. It's great news that there are a lot of people in the Major League Baseball teams themselves have understood the importance of this. I think that they're probably going to find these guys, Dan. They bet they have the truck. But, I mean, come on. We just, you just did a if high they, noon story about say, a lady who If went they to could Costa find Rica. her in Costa Rica by advertising for a yoga instructor. Yeah, but they were and there. She, and she saved the receipt from her plastic surgery, and they found the receipt. But I know those they are were, federal marshals. They These were are very, Wichita police. They had almost given up, though. They were yeah, close to, to giving up. It was a Hail Mary. And they still found that lady. So I think that they're probably going to be all right. Fine. Let, this is one of the, you're not going to hear me say this often, but let the police do their job. <laughs> okay. I All think right. they're probably going to find these people fairly quickly. And then, you know, maybe maybe they can give a little bit of that, you know, that justice that they're always talking about doling out. Maybe they can give some of that. Just before. comply. Just, just just comply. You give them the business down there. Yeah, just just comply. Everything is fine. Oh my my body cam turned off again. Yep. Oops. That it does that sometimes. Sometimes that would be good. Um. All right. Next segment is coming up that you will want to listen to. One because we can get Alex Brown on the record here at the score about some of the things that he thinks about the Bears' quarterback position, and two. Because he got called out earlier this week on this very show. So we're going to talk with Alex Brown about all sorts of stuff, including whether or not he was a good teammate. Next on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The score! The ball is at the 39 of Chicago. And McMahon out of the shotgun fires. And that will be caught by Jackson and then loses the ball. Scramble for it to the 32-yard line. Tillman able to knock it free. Chicago has it. Anthony Adams with the recovery. So they go right back to Jackson after the run back. And Anthony Adams with it. Well, not quite an old Corbett move, but we'll give him an 8.7 anyway. Al Michaels comping Spice Adams to former Soviet gymnast Olga Corbett. 
those were good times where the Bears defense was, they weren't just taking the ball away, Dan. They were taking it away and trying to hurt people. They're trying to score, and they were trying to hurt people in the process. And usually, you know, one guy would pick the ball up, and then the rest of the guys would work really hard. Oh, that was sort of how they were coached. You yeah. It's like, get out there and score, score, and immediately there's that fire call and you're you're on offense and it's you if you don't you don't have the ball you got one job your job is to help get that person to the end zone earlier this week though we had an accusation that perhaps at least one person didn't work as hard as others did so we thought that that we would bring that person onto the show to allow them to defend themselves if they needed to and and let them hear it Alex Brown is on Twitter at AlexBrown96, nine-year NFL vet, former Bears defensive end. Number four all-time in sacks in the Bears franchise. And if you spent a lot of time in Bourbon A, you know that he would be also like the de facto uh, bouncer at greeter, greeter, bouncer, ombudsman at Vito's. Yep. Which is always nice. He's with us on the Circus Sports Illinois hotline, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. What's up, Alex? What's going on? And bags champion. I would be a bags That's champion true. as well. That's so, true. But but I'm 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 uh, I'm kind of interested in who else is coming on here because you there has to be somebody else that that didn't work hard and didn't um do their job when we got a when we got a pick. It, it can't be me, can it? Well, here's here's the thing, AB. I was mm-hmm. I was taken aback and quite honestly a little shocked because look, we all know what thirteen was at the University of Florida. He was a killer. Right. And, and that guy brought the work ethic seemingly every day. So we yeah. wanted you to hear this before you responded to it. This is Spice okay. Adams talking about, you know, maybe it wasn't an all-out effort from 9-6 to help, <laughs> help his boy get into the end zone. I think it was a Deshaun Jackson caught a slant or something like that. Peanut let him catch. Knocked it right out. I went scooped it up. I didn't get a block from Alex Brown, but... We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I hope you weren't expecting we had, one. We had, we had the red dot. Alex, like, come on, man. Alex going for the ball instead of the block. I, I got the ball, brother. Okay, just get the block. Maybe I'll pitch it to you if you get the actual block. Your response, sir. Yeah, I can't dispute any of that. <laughs> that, that was a, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I cannot. I, I, what I will say is I was not. I was not 100% convinced that his hands was going to make that play. So I was making sure that we got the, the takeaway. And in the process, I think I kind of tripped up Spice. I might, I might have, I, I probably should have gotten a tackle on that one. Um, wasn't, it wasn't my best effort, that's for sure. It was not my best effort. No. Okay. So Spice is not lying. He is, he, is, he is pretty accurate on this one. Okay. So wait. No, and I just want you to know that was unprovoked. Neither Dan nor I asked him about you. Yeah, he offered that. But then as we were as we were letting Spice go from from mm-hmm. the interview, he offered us this. Aaron Rodgers was oh. going for a pass and he threw it, but it, it ended up being like a uh, I think Hunter Hillemeyer like hit his arm and he caught the pass that he was trying to throw. And then he tried to throw it again, and then that's when I intercepted it. But it's, it's going to go down as a fumble recovery. But Alex didn't block. But Alex didn't get the block. 
on that play. Okay, we're marking the tape for all this stuff because you're going to hear this again on the yeah. airwaves. Yeah. I can promise yeah. you. Please, <laughs> please let him know. Let him know about himself. Oh man, man, man. Um, yeah, um, that 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 also happened. Um, you know what? You know what? You know what? I, I think I think um, I've forgotten some of those bad plays that I've had. That I had. Now, fortunately, we've only come up with two. So I had a lot of plays, and if there's only two, then I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that and run. Just uh, it's unfortunate that uh, both just seem to happen to uh, Mr. Adams. Uh, maybe that was in my later my that was, that was my latter part of my mm-hmm. my career, you know. So yeah. I, was, I was slowing up a little bit, having brain farts too regularly. I think I need to now send a text <laughs> message to fifty five because he he might also have some thoughts on this. But nah. but 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 I appreciate you being you and being truthful. <laughs> that when presented with the evidence, you're like, yeah, I did that. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. I was I was gonna dispute the hell out of it, but it's like okay, yeah, we can actually go back and look at film and see this. Yeah, they really it really ain't gonna make a difference if I dispute this because it happened. So and it's filmed um, both the side copy, the end zone copy, and probably the the national copy. I mean, there's so many copies out there of me not really picking up that block um, or trying to secure an already secured takeaway. It's just it was it was a bad judgment on my end. Definitely bad judgment on my end. Okay, so now we can get to some of the more serious stuff <laughs> that 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 we'd like to talk with you about. Now that we we've had our fun, the Bears mm-hmm. have a new defensive coordinator. I couldn't remember if you had worked with him or not. Yes, yes, Coach Washington was. Um, he he was a the assistant D line coach. Um, for us, I want to say it was, gosh, oh nine, um, maybe it was. I thought it was a couple years. Oh uh, eight, oh nine, oh seven, oh eight, something like that. Um, but yeah, he definitely was there. Uh, coach, coach, he was always quiet, um, but a very good teacher. Like he's not gonna step on. He wasn't gonna step on uh, the D line coach's uh, uh, toes. Um, but he he kind of stuck with it, and he tell us. I mean, he tell me. I'm not gonna speak for everybody, but if I ask him something that something that I didn't agree with as far as the defense, he'd be like, okay, listen, I understand like where you're coming from, but this is how we're teaching it. So we want everybody to be on the same page here. So because this might put you in a bad position for this particular defense, well, everybody is on board with how this is supposed to be going. So we all need to be on the same page. So let's just run it this way. All right. Okay. Let's do it then. So, I mean, I think he's, I think he's a great um, communicator. Um, I'm pretty sure he he's kind of formed his own way going through Carolina, uh, going to uh, going to Buffalo. So I'm sure he's formed kind of his own deal now. And I'm very interested to see because, like I said, coach was coach was quiet. Um, he didn't step on anybody's toes, but now he's the guy. So he's the guy that everybody's going to be looking at in that third and long, third and short. What am I calling? Am I First, I mean, first down. Well, what are you calling? Like in these different situations, we're gonna get to see kind of his um his mentality or his uh, persona on how he wants this defense to attack, or is he more of a bend not break, make them drive thirteen plays down the field, and more or less rely on your defensive line to cause havoc in the backfield? So, uh, I'm interested to see. Well, I think if you have the personnel in what, from what I know about this defense, it's mm-hmm. it's the latter. I don't want to have to blitz ever. 
I want to make sure that, that my guys are getting to their landmarks and that if, if, if that three technique is as disruptive as it's supposed to be, where then I can, I can force you into so many mistakes. You're going to get impatient. We're going to knock the ball out. We're going to tip passes. And, and you're going to have a very difficult time getting the ball all the way to the end zone. Yeah, but you, you got um, to have some uh, – you got to make some tough decisions to get to that. So uh, to get to that particular defense, if you look at how um, that defense – I'm going to just say the 06 defense was built. Um, I was drafted in 02. Now you trade away your best uh, offensive weapon in Marty Booker to go get Adewale Agunle. Now you take your top two picks, your, your first-year head coach, you take his top two picks to get Tommy Harris and Tank Johnson, two guys that are 300 pounds running four six. So it's very, very difficult to do it, and some hard decisions are going to have to be made because I remember me sitting in that locker room before the preseason game, and now Marty Booker's not playing. It's like, wait, well, why aren't you playing? What the hell's going on? I'm, I'm out of here. What? Wait, well, out of well. Like, he is the, he's the guy on offense. So when you that's a hard decision to make on a team that we didn't have much offense as it is and you're going to get rid of the guy that's catching 100 passes a year. So there's some hard decisions that's going to have to be made um leading up to that point. Now, we have some players, uh, I think we got Sweat. We need another pass rusher, we need a three technique. Like I, I love Gervin um but we need we need a, a quick twitch guy. We need more quick twitch guys. I don't I don't think we have any uh, when that ball moves, I need somebody gone. Sweat is just a good player. He is a really, really good player. So that quick twitch, though, is I want a guy off that ball when that ball moves. And there are a couple of them in the draft that I hope we're, we got our eye on. And if they fall to us and we have an opportunity, hopefully we'll snatch them up. How did you think Matt Eberflus did in kind of putting the defense together and calling mm-hmm. the defense last year? under the circumstances where he didn't think he was going to be uh, doing that. And then he had to kind of switch gears. I thought he did a, a hell of a job. Um, the guy keeping the guys in tune with what was going on. I mean, I think it was very similar to the Oh five Oh five season where um, obviously I think we dominated at a different level, but as far as where they were in the beginning of the season, we were one in three at the beginning of that Oh five season. And then things kind of came together and we kind of took off. We found what worked. And for them, they start once Sweat got here, that I think that changed everything. You now you can put guys in a position where they can actually do the job you're asking them to do. To put one of the other guys on that defensive line into Sweat's position, well, he doesn't have the skill set to be Sweat. That's why Sweat is Sweat. That's why we, we spend the draft capital to bring him in and then pay him. Uh, what we paid him. So, and then you start to see that defensive line start to get out the quarterback more. And at the same token, you start to see more interceptions. You start to see more takeaways on the back end. So now all that stuff kind of works together. And I think these guys uh, defensively, I, I think they really started to understand that, that this right here works together. If I just, these guys are going to get home. I don't really have to, I ain't worried about a double move. Just talk to Nate Vaz. Talk to Peanut. They're not worried about a double move because if that guy's making a double move, my defensive line is going to get home to him. So once you have that confidence on the back end, you can start breaking on on routes a little early. And, now, and that's, that's where the takeaways come at. That's where you can 
put the offense in scoring position or score um, on defense. So, and we started to see that late in the season. And the blitzing, I mean, these linebackers, I mean, they they're smoking running backs, just trying to pick them up in the hole. Uh, it, it, it was a it was a great sight to see. Um, you, Sanborn, you see uh, Edwards, Edmonds, they're going all over the place. Like they're blitzing from all different angles, and it was great to see. So I think Eberflus did a heck of a job with the defense. Alex, the quarterback situation with the Bears is noisy, and mm-hmm. the, the discussion is noisy and emotional right now because. Everyone likes Justin Fields very much, regardless of what the the belief is in his future. And I think we're getting lost in the idea of what people think might happen and what people want to happen. And it's 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 getting it's getting super confusing. So where are you in both respects? What do you want to happen, and what do you think is going to happen? Well, I um. What I want that what what I think is gonna happen, I uh, I think they're gonna I think they're really gonna do their due diligence on the quarterbacks and but it's not as simple as let's just take the best quarterback because if you have two of them together let's just for instance um, if you just take uh, Drake May take um, Caleb Williams and you say okay if I take Caleb Williams then uh, I don't get this other package of future draft picks that I could get if I just take Drake May maybe two, three picks, two or three picks down, right? So you got to weigh that. Is, is Caleb Williams worth these other picks that I have? Now, there's a clear um, uh, example that has been put out in front of us and uh, with Buffalo trading with Kansas City back in 2017 for them to go pick Patrick Mahomes, they get in return three Pro Bowl players, but Patrick Mahomes beats their ass every time. Like it's just like he just he's punished them every single time. So do you allow that quarterback? I'm not calling Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. I'm I'm not saying they're gonna be uh, Patrick Mahomes. What I'm saying is that there are some really talented kids here, and one of the three are gonna be pretty dang good. So which one is it? And do you make that play on them? What I want to happen, I'm tired of single, single, double, occasionally single. I need somebody up there to try to hit a home run, man. That's what I need. So give me Caleb Williams. Give me Caleb Williams. Trade away Justin Fields. I ain't got no problem with Justin Fields as far as who he is or how he is. I don't know him like that. But I think just like uh, the tight end, uh, Greg Olson, um, and I bring this up a lot, Greg Olson is not Greg Olson if he stays at the Bears. Greg Olson was utilized a lot different in Carolina. And that's why I think he's right there as far as being a Hall of Fame tight end. I don't think he gets there if he stays in Chicago. And that's okay. It's okay, it's okay for play- – Ted Washington left Chicago and won a Super Bowl. Roosevelt Colvin left Chicago, won a Super Bowl. It's okay for guys to go to the places and do well. It's not going to change, like, what, like how I feel about the Bears. I want the Bears to win. I don't care what the name on the back of the jersey says. And I think a lot of people that just jump all over me about saying what I say is because they care what the name says. I, I don't care. I don't care if it's Justin Fields. If he shows that he can be the guy, then be the guy. But at 10 and 28, 
I, I just don't see it. I don't see it when you start 38 games and you only throw for 225 yards six times, and Joshua Dobbs did it four times this past season. I just don't see it. And when we look at the AFC Championship game and you see a guy struggle, like Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to win his second MVP, well, an MVP is totally different than winning a Super Bowl because it takes – you have to beat really good really good quarterbacks to do that, and there were a few plays in that game – I'm talking about the AFC Championship game – where he's overthrowing the receivers where a ball that he should be able to put in there. And I know if he had those passes back, he thinks he should be able to put them in there to the receivers on the sideline. I think I want to say they threw three – or two in a row, uh, definitely um, three out of uh, probably five plays. They were trying to go deep. It, just, it was overthrowing them by three, four yards. We need a guy. We're, we're going to have to go against a guy. Hell, Green Bay has a guy. I don't want a quarterback where you have to surround him with talent. We've done that before. We, we did that with six. Surrounding him with talent, we, did, we, got, to, we got to the NFC Championship game. You give him Matt Forte. I mean, you, you got Brandon Marshall. You got Alshon Jeffrey. You go to New Orleans, you get a left tackle that was a pro bowler two years in a row with Drew Brees, and he come up to Chicago, and everybody think he stinks. No. You don't stink. The damn quarterback's holding the ball for six seconds. So, like, we've tried that, surround him with – how about we get a guy that can make these guys better, that can throw a guy open, that can that, – I heard – oh, man. I, I listened to Cap Show, and I heard Keyshawn Johnson say that that um, if you just switch Justin Fields and put, put him down where C.J. Stroud is, then Houston would be in the same spot. And I think that's just crazy. There's no chance that that's the same. C.J. Stroud is a much better quarterback than Justin Fields, and I want that guy. I don't, I don't think that's crazy for me to ask that. As a fan of the Bears, and I want to see the Bears win a Super Bowl at some point, so I didn't see 85. I, I didn't see that game. I, I grew up in Florida. We didn't have um, cable. At, we didn't have cable, say, but I didn't get to see that game. <laughs> yeah, we had, we, had, we, had two, we had three channels, okay? We barely got cartoons on Saturday, so I couldn't see the damn game. But, like, I didn't watch the 85 Bears win a Super Bowl. We weren't able to close the deal in 06 against Indy, and uh, I, I'd like to see it because I am a huge Bear fan, just like a lot of people that grew up there. But for people to act like they – Football means more to them than the players. I think it's it's crazy. Like, no, this right here is these guys' life. This was all the former players. This is their life. Like, this is what helped them uh, to where they are today, you know? So, it don't mean more. Like, we can agree, okay, it means the same. But, nah, they like people, just, people are just crazy, man. They get pissed off at stuff, and it's like, well, this is my opinion about it. And I hope they go this way. I have a problem with Justin coming to Atlanta and doing a hell of a job and playing well. I mean, should Atlanta be pissed off that they got rid of Brett Favre? Well, he wasn't going to be that Brett Favre in Atlanta. He was not going to be that guy. So you let that guy go and he go perform somewhere else and he do well. Okay, tip your cap, say great job. I'm happy for him. But we're going to have to compete against Green Bay uh, and Love and all those receivers up there. And they look like they got stuff going in the right direction. And Detroit. Um, Detroit has a – well, see, Detroit is a little different from, um, for me because I think if you take love out of there, I think that team's a, a little different. Man, the, Detroit has a football team. They got an offensive line. They have two really good running backs that complement each other very well. They got a dog as a receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. 
Like, and then the the pieces around them, Jamison Williams, you got Reynolds, like, and Laporta. Oh, my gosh. Like, you put – like, you can – I'm not saying you can put any quarterback in there, but there's a lot of quarterbacks. Um, I think they're built a lot like San Francisco, honestly. And um, I think you can put a lot of quarterbacks in there that will succeed um, in that in that, uh, in that that offense. So, they're a really good football team. we got to compete against them. And when Kirk Cousins come back, I mean, who knows? I mean, hell, I never I, – I rarely give him credit for doing it, but, hell, he just keep doing it, and they keep being in the conversation, you know? So we have a – I think we have a tough division uh, moving forward, and don't tell me that a rookie can't come in here and do it when I just watch a rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach, a rookie offensive uh, coordinator do it down in Houston uh, with guys that – I mean, I'm sure we all play fantasy football. Did y'all draft any receivers from Houston before the season? No, didn't know who any of them were and basically (laughs) didn't really know who they were even until the playoffs, and and that was the case. You You, you, you make a fine argument. Um, I look more look forward to you hating on Justin Fields more when you go on the Full Go podcast (laughs) with Jason Goff. Uh, AB, we appreciate the time. We got to have you back on because I actually do want to talk to you about, like, some serious, like, after after your career is over stuff that I think that you're doing really, really well. So you got to come back on the show soon so we can discuss that. But we got to go, and I know you got stuff to do, but we appreciate it. We appreciate you jumping on and bringing that hate to the score airwaves. (laughs) I appreciate it, guys. Hey, you know I'm here for it. I'm here for it. (laughs) We we do. We do know that you're here for it. Thank you, Alex. (laughs) Bye, buddy. Thank you all. That is a good man, Alex Brown, with a bad opinion. When we come back, uh, you called this the Caruso conundrum. Yeah, I want to ask you about this and talk about this with you. I got an easy answer. Okay, that's I, fine. I, I don't think it's a conundrum at all, frankly. I, I don't either, but I want to try and walk through this and see if I can see what the Bulls see. Next Good on luck. the score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. And here's Caruso to the rim and a right-handed power dunk. Alex Caruso eating some rim in North Carolina. It looked like Charlotte was everywhere. Everyone was looking at each other like, who's going to pick him up? <laughs> no one was the correct answer. 83-81 pull. Yes. Another one to add to the list of our greatest hits of eating rim. Hey, man. Celebrate your birthday. You get excited about... Stuff that you're seeing. And there's Alex Caruso for you. We got it. We, so now we've got Drummond, DeRozan, Caruso. Zach Levine, too, Levine, right? Levine, Daniel Tice. We needed some, like, barbecue sauce reference or something. Right. Or some Carolina sauce or something like that. I was thinking that I, I, <laughs> while they were doing some of the establishing shots of Charlotte, I was sitting there going, it's probably too late to move to Charlotte, isn't it? Like That's what I kept thinking. I was like, if you wanted to start a life there, like, it's probably too late. It's probably everyone knows about Charlotte now. It's probably too expensive to go move to Charlotte. Depends how far away from the actual city you want to go. You want to live in, like, Cherryville or something like that? You can find yourself a nice little life in semi-rural North Carolina I if think, you want. I, think down, I don't think rural North Carolina. I think I'd want the city. Okay. I think it's probably... Probably missed the trade on that one. That was something I should have done years and years and years ago. Alex Caruso eating some rim in North Carolina. Raise up. Love you. Take your shirt off.
Um, <laughs> let's spin around your head like a helicopter. Let's talk about Alex Caruso for a second. <laughs> Alex Caruso is one of those players, if you're watching him on any other team, it is very easy to see his value. And midway through the month, last month, Billy Donovan talked about that as it pertains to Caruso. He's played well for us on both sides of the ball. And to your point, I never take him for granted, you know, because he's a total team guy. He has a real strong conviction, understanding of what goes into winning. And he's going to do all those things that are really kind of, you know, like he's great in a game like today because his messaging and timeouts is great because it's like a dirty game where it's, it's, it's hard, you know. Fatigue, shots aren't going down like the, at the rate you'd like to. You got to grind the game out. Like he's great in those moments, you know, uh, of of doing all that, you know, little stuff. I value Alex Caruso. I really like him. I think he's a great player. I think he's good in the community. I think he's good in the locker room. I don't. I understand why any team would look at Alex Caruso and say, that's the type of player that we need to have here as an example of how to do things. Plus, it's not just an example. He's literally doing things for you on the floor every single night. When he's healthy. When he's healthy. And he's been mostly healthy this season. He did it last night again where he got smacked in the head. And he's, every time he falls down, you think, oh, here it is. This is, this the, is the moment where he's is, out for three right, weeks. This, or, or or more. This is the fractured this or the ruptured that. Never want to have a ruptured that bad. Whether we're reading Darnell or Joe Cowley talking about the Bulls, they've been talking about how it doesn't seem like the Bulls are going to do anything that – that no one wants Zach Levine, for example, that maybe someone will will say, well, we would like to have DeMar. I was talking with Cody Westerlin about this in the hallway. Drummond probably has played well enough for someone to trade for him, although you're not going to get much back for him. Yeah, I don't think so. Alex Caruso is the most tradable piece. you got to be listening on everybody. I- this build is over. This this is done. It's over. That's how it feels to me. It, it that if you have a chance at getting va- a valuable asset cuz it seems as if that train has left the station when it comes to Zach being the thing that's going to get you something valuable back. And if you say okay, well we want to stay committed to Zach, which okay, fine. It, you gave him the money, I would have told you not to do that. In fact, I did tell you not to do that. But, okay, if you're saying that the player that you're going to build around is Zach Levine, you're not going to be able to just develop him help. You're going to have to identify some stars. And considering where you're going to be drafting, because you're midway through, the likelihood of you finding those stars is not great. Therefore, you need more bites at the apple, which you would get if you were to trade your most valuable piece, which is Alex Caruso. Well, because you traded away so much draft capital in the Vooch trade, you traded away draft capital for Lonzo Ball, and you forfeited picks for tampering there. You know, back to what we were talking about, the difference between pro and college. You're you're old, you're not good, you're capped, and you're out of draft capital. That is the worst possible place to be. Right. So then you have to figure out how can you 
how can you get better quickly? And I I don't want Alex Caruso to be traded, but I think they should trade him. They have no choice. I saw this stat today. This is uh, Casey Johnson. The Bulls this year after 49 games are 23 and 26. They're 23rd in offensive rating. They're 14th in defensive rating. Last year, after 49 games, 23 and 26, 22nd in offensive rating, 13th in defensive rating. They're the same team. Texter, this is a great comp. Isn't having Caruso like a bad baseball team having a great closer? Yes. Yeah, that's why you trade those. Those are the first people traded. Yes. The very first people traded are high leverage bullpen arms off of bad teams. You know that Alex Caruso not only has value, but is coveted. Like, it's 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 one thing to look at DeMar and be like, yeah, there might be a fit for DeMar here or there, depending on what team what a team is looking for. You know that there are teams that have scouted. You fielded those phone calls about Alex Caruso. And, and I know that it seems crazy to be like, well, I'm giving up a really good player. Right. You're the, because of what Dan pointed out is what your lot in life is. This is the really hard decision that you have to make. I don't think it's that hard. It's hard. It's clearly hard for them. I mean, you wanted continuity. You got continuity. You've been the same team for a while. And man, Vooch's offensive game is really eroding. Yes. Right. In and front you of your extended eyes. him. You you basically said that you think that your team can be anchored by Zach Levine and Vooch, which, okay, but the Patrick Williams thing hasn't worked out for a lot of different reasons. DeMar's going to be 35. Kobe White has flourished, but it still hasn't, as well as, and he had a season high last night with 35 points. Even... As good as he's done, as much as he's improved, he should be in the conversation for most improved player in the league. He's not going to win it, but he should be in that conversation. You're still 23 and 26 with no real hope of being anything but a team that makes it to the play-in tournament. That's all you've got. You're in the play-in tournament. That's not the playoffs. I mean, Kendall was acting like it is, and it's not. Well, I'm not. I'm not look, I, I've said all I can say to that. It's it's different. I don't even think that this team, this team is not going to be able to max its way out to even being the sixth seed. Because your your division and conference have gotten better while you've been standing still. Because they have had draft picks to use where you've, cashiered those for whatever this was and this the this is going to max out at at, by getting your teeth kicked in by the bucks in a playoff series right that's the peak of this build yep you end up there if everything kind of goes right from now until the end of the season you end up in the place where you get beat by the bucks in five 
He's Lawrence Holmes. I'm Dan Bernstein. We're the Bernstein and Holmes Show. We are on Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. here on Sports Radio 670. And next up, it's something we call High Noon. I have a very special announcement that you are not going to want to miss. I have seeing and hearing someone laugh that I've never heard or saw laugh. It's next. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? When we get to high noon, we tell you what we've been talking about for the first couple hours of this show. Started out by trying to make sense of the world of college football that has coaches pulling the ripcord on collegiate coaching careers. Running for the hills! just getting out of there because nobody knows what the rules are, what the hell is going on. Coaches don't know. Players don't know. Agents don't know. The NCAA doesn't know. The collectives don't know. So I think coaches want a little bit of certainty rather than chaos as long as the money is close. We discussed the outpouring of money and goodwill and support in the wake of the vandalization of the Jackie Robinson statue in Wichita. I'm just waiting to see how long it's going to take for them to corral the perpetrators. Uh, And also Adam Rittenberg of ESPN checked in uh, to talk about uh, Caitlin Clark and talk about the college basketball and college sports landscape. Alex Brown joined us and uh, we talked about the reality of the Bulls. I have never heard Albert Bell laugh. I had never seen him smile. Every, I was starting out in the business professionally when Albert Bell was here, working at Channel 9 as an intern and then as a, a field producer. Shout out to Krista Ruck. And I remember going into those clubhouses and him just being either perpetrating like he was the angriest man in the world or being the angriest man in the world. So I was a little bit surprised when I saw him talking to your guy, Chris Rose, and him actually smiling and laughing about something. Anybody ever walk past you and just yell out the name Fernando Vina. I tell people, I say, Fernando Vina, he got up, dusted himself off, and like he was going to come after me. And I'm like, bro, it's not going to look good me whooping up on you. And I told him earlier not to come in the baseline because it happened on Eddie Murray's at bat a couple innings before. Eddie Murray in the first, first at bat, he hits a ground ball to him, comes in the baseline and tags me. And they called me off guard. And I was like, oh, don't do that again. You know, sure. Eddie hits the same ground ball. I thought he was going to pitch it. He came in and I knocked him. I was like, I told you don't do it. But here's the funny thing. The next week, Chad Cruder does the same thing for the White Sox. He plows, knocks the guy over, breaks up the double play. The White Sox end up winning the game, and he's a hero. When I got to Chicago in 97, Chad Cruder was kind of busting my chops about that. He was like, you didn't hit him hard enough. That's what it was. (laughs) So, of course, the only thing that does make Albert Bell laugh is violence. But (laughs) what makes you laugh? Well, when I'm eating children. But it was good to see him, like, laugh and smile. I also 
am a staunch defender that he should have been the MVP in 1998. His numbers... His, oh, yeah, that's, it's the greatest offensive season in White Sox history. He it? was eighth in MVP voting. Let me give you his numbers. His slash line was 328, 399, 655. What was the OPS plus or WRC plus day? Was it like 160? 172. Jesus, like that's... That's, that's that's ungodly. He had 399 total bases. Is that, that the season. highest? I, I think the 172 might be a White Sox record. I, think I feel that like might, Frank may it, have come close. I don't know that he came close. I think I know he was in the 160s a bunch of times, but that that might be a record. And so I was like, okay, how did he get beat? He got beat by Roger Clemens that year. He had 271 <sighs> strikeouts. I'm sorry, not not Roger Clemens. He won Cy Young. But I'm looking at the MVP voting. I'm like, how did he end up? Juan Gonzalez had 157 RBIs that season. But Albert Bell led in games played, because remember they had to play game 163. Mm -hmm. He played all 163 of them. He led in OPS, and he led in slugging. And I think he was second in home runs that year. But he was behind some guys. You're like, come on, man. They weren't more valuable than him. Well, so, the White Sox were 80 and 82 that season. That's probably why. Doesn't matter. I think if, if if we had this test case now, it might play out a little differently. But there was Albert Bell laughing, laughing. at violence. Guess what? Chicken butt. Registration is open for the Charity Poker Championship. Let's go! Benefiting Camp One Step. Is the lady that knocked me out of the tournament going to be back this year? She's a piece of work. A pistol? Yes. He's a pretty good player, too. Yes! Because she lasted a while, but that that, that was... uh, Yeah, she's a big fan of yours. Thursday, April 18th, Galleria Marchetti. Registration is open. Open camponestep.org is go right there, right now. And why right now? Because the first 100 people to register are going to get a free add on of 5,000 in chips, which is going to double your starting chip count. You are going to get that for free. It's a hundred dollar value where if you're not one of the first hundred, you can pay for the add on, it's going to cost you another hundred dollars. So if you're planning on doing this, don't wait. Be one of the first 100 people to register for the Charity Poker Championship. And as always, this is a World Series of Poker play-in, the main event in Las Vegas. The winner of this tournament will go to Las Vegas. But most importantly, we are going to be in a room then with the fabulous food and drink at Galleria Marchetti, raising money to help kids with cancer and leukemia via our Camp One Step programs. I'm so excited about it. Last year was sensational. This year will be as well. CampOneStep.org. CampOneStep.org. And you can just go to events, and you will find the registration right there. I am going to tweet this out. 
So I'm going to put it as a pinned tweet. I'm going to make everything available to you. But be one of the first people to register and get that free add-on of 5,000 in chips. I cannot wait. It is always an awesome night. Are we counting on you? Yes, I'm back. All right, Lawrence is going to play. He's going to be one of our celebrity bounties. I, I, man, I almost made I was you, I was you, one hand from making it to the break, man. That one and I ugh. And, and you had a good hand too. I did. Right? I lost get, on a good hand. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like you 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 got caught in a bluff or anything like that if I remember correctly. Yeah, and, and, and she was so happy that she won. I was happy for her. And you know, there's celebrity bounties. We're going to have whiskey samplings, raffle prizes, spectator games, and it's it's going to be awesome. So get registered. You're going to hear more about it as we get closer. But CampOneStep.org if you're planning on playing. Okay, a quick follow-up. Yes. Dick Allen had a 199 OPS Plus season the year that he won MVP for the White Sox. Better with MVP with a 199. And as I suspected, when Frank Thomas won MVP, his was 212. Was it really? Yeah. The 94 season, he was 212. He also had a season where he was 180, another one that was 181. Like, Let me just run down all of them from 1990. From 1990 until 1997, these are the OPS pluses for Frank Thomas. 177, 180, 174, 177, oh 212, okay. 179, yeah. 178, 181. <laughs> He's so good. That ain't bad. He's so good at baseball. That ain't bad. So there. Followed it up. And thanks, Texas. Yes, Albert Bell was a 7-1 war in 1998 and didn't win league MVP and finished eighth. Finished eighth. That's high noon. Next up, Matt Bowen at the Senior Bowl. This is one of my favorite Matt Bowen hits of the football calendar because he is excited about guys. We're going to get names. We're going to get scouting reports. We are going to get some first impressions from some people who are going to matter come draft day. So keep it here for Matt Bowen on Bernstein and Holmes on the score. The score! score! Matt Bowen. Two throws. This one aired out for Galloway. And with contact, it's picked off. Intercepted by Matt Bowen. NFL writer and analyst for ESPN. The ball came out. Right now, they're calling fumble. Matt Bowen knocked it out. Seven-year NFL veteran. We talked about it last week a little bit, Lawrence. You know, Dan was on vacation and all that. But uh, when you were there last week working, we talked about how... Fight me, Bowen. <laughs> Defensive back coach for IC Catholic football. One of the greatest things and most rewarding things about being a high school coach is to see the impact it can have on your student athletes. Matt Bowen with Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The Score. Let right. Matt Bowen talk. All Shut right. up. I was wrong. He's not at the Senior Bowl, but he is covering the happenings at the Senior Bowl as he is also looking at the free agent market in the NFL. Matt Bowen is all football things to football people, and he is with us on the score hotline that is presented by Circus Sports Illinois at Matt Bowen 41 on Twitter, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670. The score is always something you should be checking out as well. Matt, what's top of mind for you? I know that that's a, a big undertaking every year to put that top 50 list together. What did you learn in doing it? Um, it is hard. It is challenging. You have to talk to a lot of people, watch a lot of tape. And at the end of the day, Dan, the number one thing is you have to trust your own eyes, right? 
You have to believe what you see when you're an evaluator and you're looking at tapes. So that's the number one thing I take away from it. And also, it's hard at times. Look at a player like Chase Young. I didn't really know where to rank him. You know, he has the physical tools. He has the traits, but he's had injuries. On the flip side, he's only 25 years old. Yeah, he's a, he's a very interesting he, case. He also doesn't defend the run. He doesn't want to. Well, that can happen at times. You see some certain things on this film. Um, I think at times this year he's played too upright in terms of his pad level as a pass rusher. We've seen situations where he's not disciplined as a pass rusher or as a run defender. But, again, I go back to what do NFL evaluators look at? He's a former top five pick, and he has the traits. So can you get him in your system? Can you coach him? Because he was drafted there for a reason, guys, right? And, again, it might not be a three- to four-year deal. With Chase Young, it could be a one-year deal, and that's what he might be looking at. And I expected much more. When he left Washington via trade and went to the, to the Niners, with all that talent around him, you expected to see so much more production, and it didn't happen. Matt, are there any centers out there that the Bears could go get? Connor Williams from Miami. Now, look, I dropped him down. He's only 27 years old. I dropped him down to number 43, and the reason is he had an ACL injury in December. Okay, so anytime we're looking at a player, you know, one thing you have to look at is age and injuries, obviously. But when did the injury occur, right? So someone like Connor Williams, you have to account for he's not going to be ready for minicamp, not going to be ready for OTAs. When is he probably going to be ready for training camp? But as we've discussed before with a knee injury, look, it's much different, uh, Lawrence, if we're talking about a wide receiver defensive back, right? We're talking about an interior offensive lineman. But again, wh what are his traits? He's someone that is excellent in, his, in space. He's more of a positional blocker. But especially when he climbs to the second level, he's very good. So how does a knee impact him? But again, if you're the Bears, you might get a discount on him because of that injury. Is there anyone in the draft that you think that they could get who could be better than him? Uh, that's a great question. I haven't studied all the centers yet, but I, I'll tell you what. When this guy is healthy, he's a pretty good football player. And, and that's, you know, there's a reason free agency is before the draft, right? Because you're going to find guys who are pro-ready, who have pro-tape, have a ton of reps and a ton of experience that you can put into your system right away and you know they can play at a high level with where a young player, we see it all the time. It takes time to develop. Look at Tyreek Stevenson this year. Look at the first half of the season, the game tape versus the second half of the season. Much different player in the second half, which you expect that gradual, that gradual development. But you need that development, especially at center on day one. Well, what kind of challenge would it be to have a rookie quarterback and a rookie center? That doesn't sound, yeah. it doesn't sound appetizing to me because you've you got to compete. You're going to be a top five defense next year, mm -hmm. and, you're, and you're competing. I think it's asking an awful lot to pair a rookie quarterback with someone other than a very experienced veteran center. I agree 100%. Someone that can help you up front, that can make the protection calls for you, right? That can set the protection, that can talk to you in the huddle, that can talk to you on the sidelines. Someone is, who has seen everything, and a player like Connor Williams has seen everything. I think it's very important, Dan, to pair a young quarterback uh, who's going to need a lot of time in terms of development and understanding the pro game, especially that first month of the season, to have a veteran in front of him makes a ton of difference. The championship games seem like they're far away, but they're mm -hmm. not. They're only four days away. Where did the Ravens go wrong in that game? I think a couple of things. Let's start on defense. I think the first half, what, what Mike McDonald is, look, he's a heck of a football coach, just got hired by the Seattle Seahawks to be their new head coach. 
They're very zone heavy, okay? But when you play against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey against zone coverage, look at simple routes, like a sail route. So a sail route is a three-level flood, right? You got an outside vertical, you have Kelsey running the out route, and they have an underneath flat route. Well, Kelsey won't run the out route. Why? Because he's so experienced. He'll see where the strong safety sits down in his zone, and then he'll just tighten the route and adjust the route. And they are so good at exposing zone coverage you know, Kelsey was so productive in that first half. Plus, they can run the football. They're a different team. But then the second half, you saw what Baltimore did, right? More man heavy. Okay, because they had to. They had to match up. But something about that game that stands out to me. I know I'm getting a little off to- topic, but Patrick Mahomes was so good in the first half from a numbers perspective and a tape perspective. But look at him in the second half. He didn't have highlight plays right to the end of the game when he threw the deep over out to MVS. But he didn't, he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't put his offense in a negative situation. He really managed that game, the flow of that game in the second half based on what his defense was doing. And that brings me to, you know, Baltimore. There's going to be questions with Todd Monk and what they did offensively. There has to be, right? There has to be questions because they're the, one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. Early, early in the game, they run power up. You know, they kick out, they pull the backside guard, downhill with Gus Edwards, positive game. That's a productive run. That's Baltimore Ravens football. But they turned that game into a situation where Lamar Jackson became a drop-back thrower, consistently drop-back thrower. You didn't see a lot of quarterback design runs. You didn't see a lot of play action and movement. And I think that really played into the hands of Kansas City, especially with Spags, like we talked about. What is his identity? It's pressure and it's man pressure, and they got after him. I, I'm still trying to figure out, like, what do you think Munkin saw that, that made him say, you know what, like, maybe we're better off suited than – because because um, they they played the run well, but it, it felt like they just kind of gave up on it. Yeah, I, I agree. And look, I don't know the right answer there, Lawrence, but I do think this is a difference when you play against a, a coach like Andy Reid and Spags who have been there before, right? And that sounds generic, but you saw in both games, the teams with championship experience, okay, they didn't make a lot of mistakes. They managed the game the right way. Where a team like Baltimore, I know Coach Harbaugh has been there, but Todd Munkin, Hasn't been on that stage, right? So now you have a coach who's trying to adjust his game plan but not sticking with what got them there. I guess that's the way to answer it is they went away from their identity. Why Kansas City stuck to their own identity? In the NFC title game, it looked like Detroit was was clear sailing. Like everything looked great. Then the second half happens. I thought Brock Purdy played great in the second Mm -hmm. half. What did you see? I did with Brock Purdy. Uh, I agree 100%. He hit the defined throws, you know, attacking tight windows versus zone coverage, making the throws versus man, but also made the plays outside of structure, right? Showed his athletic ability to get outside and move as a runner, um, made some off-schedule throws as well, uh, and protected the football, put the ball where it was supposed to be. And then, you know, the flip side with Detroit, again, team that hasn't been there before, going against a Niners team. A lot of those guys have already played in a Super Bowl, turning the football over, dropping passes, not converting on opportunities. And look, I know there's a big, a big discussion on Dan Campbell and the decisions he made on fourth down. But I'll say this. You know, those are the decisions that kind of propelled that team to get to that point. That was their identity, was they are going to take risks. They're going to try to cash in on those risks. If you want to question anything, it's the decision to run the football in the low red zone at the end of the game where they had to burn a timeout. That completely changed the course of the end of that football game. Now you're playing completely different situational football where you have to do an onside kick. And look, you can't get onside kicks anymore in the NFL. I looked at the numbers. 
I was doing something for ESPN a couple weeks ago. When I was a rookie in 2000, there were 17 onside kicks recovered. Okay, I think this year was one. Okay, the rules have changed so much. You can't overload one side. You can't get a running start. That used to be the Wild West out there, and the ball would go everywhere. So if you have to put yourself in position in today's NFL to get an onside kick, you're really, really reaching. And so that's why I go back to that decision to run the football at the end of the game. The Senior Bowl is ongoing. I don't know what the consensus is for this year's overall crop. I know sometimes mm-hmm. there's they will look over the talent and say, well, it, it's some some years of the Senior Bowl is a better measuring stick than others, simply because of who happens to be going up against whom. What are mm-hmm. we hearing about early returns? Early returns, um, you know, a player like Roman Wilson from the University of Michigan is having a really good week at the wide receiver position, up and down play at the quarterback position. Look, this is going to happen when you go to an all-star game. I hope everyone understands that these quarterbacks are throwing to new players. They have a new coach talking to them. They're being taught new techniques, and you expect them to go out after, you know, a couple meetings to start lighting it up. It's not going to happen. So what you're really looking at there, Dan, and this is how I always have done it when I was down in Mobile, is I watch certain things. You know, the ability to to be coached. If you get beaten one-on-ones, because you're going to, you're going against really high-level football players, can you adjust in the next rep? Do you, do you take that next rep and demand to play that same wide receiver again? Say, so I want him again. Look at uh, the one-on-ones, offense and defensive pass rush. You know, there's a technique involved there. I want to see people compete. That's the number one thing I look for. Who wants to compete down there? Who really wants to compete? And you see that during one-on-ones. You know, seven-on-seven in team, it's not live. You know, it's, it's thud. So you, you're not going to have a high-speed uh, evaluation, in my opinion, in seven on seven and team, which you're really looking for me, uh, you know, a broad view of this is how they're coaching individual periods. Do they carry it over to one-on-ones? Do they carry it over to team? Do they make their own self-corrections throughout the course of the practice? And there's a lot you can see there because really that's just a small piece of it. That's part of the job interview, no question. But are you seeing the same things you saw on tape? Because the tape is the reason they got there. Right. And it happens too often. You see it on Twitter the last couple of days. Well, this player can't play anymore. What do you mean he can't play? Because he had two bad reps and one on ones. No, no, no. That means he has to make an adjustment off the new personnel he's going against and the new coach he's working with. So never forget about what got them there. And that's the tape they had at the college level. It, it, what's a what's another thing about being at the senior bowl that maybe those of us who are not in it don't know? Like you've been down there a ton. What are the things that players need to understand if they're going to spend the week there? Well, one, it's, it's talking with coaches and scouts. You know, when you're done with practice at any, whether it's the East West or I went to the Hula Bowl, you know, back in 2000 in Maui. Now that, that that's a good trip back then, but um, you're meeting with coaches. Once you're done with practice, they're watching everything. You're going to have interviews at night. You're going to meet with head coaches. You're going to meet with assistant coaches, general managers, uh, college scouts, you're going to meet with all of them and you're going to go through a series of interviews. It's going to be late at night. It's not just the football aspect of it. That's part of it. But the interviews are a very big part of it down there because they want to get more for their evaluation. And then they're going to follow up on it again at the combine uh, at the end of this month. So that's, to me, Lawrence, the interview process is a critical piece of it in addition to what you do on the field. What do you make of, of Bobby Slowick and Ben Johnson staying put in their jobs as offensive coordinators. 
Well, one, I think they're in great spots. There's no question about it. They they lead two of the really the best offenses we've seen this past year in the NFL. Um, it's interesting to me. I, I don't, you know, you have to ask this question when they go into an interview. It doesn't mean they had a poor interview at all. It's just what do they want? Is it a number of years? Is it a certain coaching staff they want to bring with? Do they mesh with the general manager? Do they mesh with the owner? There's a lot of things that play there. Um, now they're both younger coaches. Okay, I understand that, but Mike McDonald just got hired. He's a very young coach out in Seattle. Um, Jared Mayo with the New England Patriots, very young coach. So it doesn't mean they did poorly in interviews at all. It could just be Lawrence that they think they got a good thing going and they might have an opportunity next year or the year after where the opportunity is actually better for them in terms of having a, a, a better general manager, being able to, to pick a better staff they can work with. So there's a lot of things that go into it. And I understand there's only 32 jo- of these jobs in the world, but sometimes, and we've seen it before, we've seen it here in Chicago, and we've seen it a lot in Washington, where you pick the wrong coach, or the wrong coach goes into a unique situation, doesn't work for him, and then everything starts, to, the wheels start to come off pretty quickly. I'm really impressed, honestly, by those guys making that choices mm-hmm. because there's a scarcity of the job, as you pointed out, but that doesn't mean that you have to take a bad job especially no. if your position that you're in right now is really good and serves you. Right. And, and Slowick is a great example. He's going to have CJ Stroud going into his second year. And that's where you really make your most development. That That's the biggest jump right there. Year one, a year two. Now look what he did in year one, right? Okay. So if he can add even more development to his game and you go into next season with the, with the skill players they have, with the additions they can make on the offensive line next year, what they can do with their defense next year, that could be a playoff team again. And now you're, you're leading another top offense in the NFL. So like you said, Lawrence, maybe that opens up even more doors for Bobby Sloak next offseason. Question I have from a larger perspective, zooming out a little bit, and it's how as a scout are you observing that the transfer portal is mm-hmm. affecting professional development. I know we've looked at it about quarterbacks who've played in multiple systems, have had different terminology, et cetera. I'm curious how for across the board, where as much as coaches want to sell you on continuity and being in the same place and the same teammates, mm. there's something to be said for the mercenary idea. Look, I'm, I'm going to get a great football education in more than one place with different coaching staffs, and I'm going to absorb all of it and take it upon myself to do what's best for me professionally. How many years of, of this transfer portal is it going to take for us to understand what it means for development? Well, I think it means a lot. Um, you know, there's, there's, obviously positives and negatives about it. We all understand that. But in terms of the positives, you could take a receiver who's in an offense that is very run heavy, but has the traits to be very productive. Well, if he goes and gets another opportunity at a different school and he catches 75 passes, well, one, that's going to improve his draft grade right there. Evaluators are going to be able to see more on the tape, okay, because he's getting more volume in terms of target volume in the pass game. Same thing for a running back that's in a pass-heavy offense that plays out of the gun. He goes to an offense that is more pro-style system through the transfer portal and gets more downhill carries and is more advanced now in pass protection. That's going to impact his overall draft grade as well. The one, the, you know, the one thing I don't like about the transfer portal, and this is me being a high school head coach, is it has really impacted high school recruiting. There's not enough scholarships anymore because I understand it. Like we were just talking about before, are you going to take a, a rookie center and pair him with a rookie quarterback? No, you're going to go free agency, right? 
Well, it's the same thing with the portal. You're going to take a high school defensive back. You're going to, you're going to take the guys play two years already in college is more mature, both in his physical profile in terms of his mental ability to understand football. Well, you're going to take the, the veteran player from another school. But what's that, what that is doing guys is let's take it. Let's say you have 25 scholarships, right? And 10 of them go to, go to portal kids. Well, now you only got 15 for high school kids. So what's happening is there's not as many division one spots anymore for high school players. So it's all being pushed down, right? You're having more players go to the FCS level and even the D2 and D3 level now than before because the portal has changed recruiting. Matt, we appreciate the, the, the well-thought-out stuff, and that we appreciate you, man. Thanks for being on the show. All right, guys, we'll talk Super Bowl next week. You better believe it. We sure will. That is Matt Bowen. And speaking of that game, you can join 670 The Score and Circa Sports Illinois for the big game party on Sunday, February 11th at Benchmark in Old Town, the Molly and Haw Show, the Bernstein and Holmes show with Layla Rahimi and Parkinson Spiegel, all of us broadcasting live from noon to 3 p.m., getting you ready for that big game between Kansas City and San Francisco. You must have at least $100 in your Circus Sports Illinois app to attend. Doors open at noon. There will be live entertainment and complimentary game day bites. Go to CircusSports.com to sign up for the invite and more info. Dan, I want to lean on your experience as a Heisman voter Okay, to talk about the NBA. I know that seems okay. weird, yeah, but it it'll make sense when, when I bring it to you. There's also some other stuff. You were gone, and and I was watching the the Luca game Friday night, and I wanted to talk to you about. It. We haven't had a chance because obviously, like Championship Sunday and some other stuff takes precedent. But it, we keep seeing these crazy point totals in the NBA. I want to talk about why that's happening. So since you are the host of the Organizations Win Championships podcast, we're going to lean on your experience there, too. We talk buckets next here on The Score. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Don't stop now. Lucas splits a double. Keeps the dribble alive. All the way to the hoop. Scoop to the hoop with a foul. Point and- 71 and 72. I believe 73 was the magic number total. Add him to the list. We just did the list last week. I know. Talking about the guys who scored 70, and there's Luka Doncic doing it again. That was courtesy Bally Sports. Luka was amazing in that game, and he could have had a 70-point triple-double. If his teammates didn't suck. Yeah. Like, at the end of the game, they missed three bunnies. Yeah, help a brother out. Like, he, and he, you could just see him just being like, so I, I do have to do everything myself. Got it. Okay, fine. I'll go and finish this game out since you guys don't want to make layups. You know, they were all kind of joking about it, the same way that, like, you know, Bill talks about him and Jordan combined for 57, whatever. It, it was great. I'm curious what you think it means that we're seeing an explosion of these high point totals by individuals is is there something wrong with it is the defense bad or is this just a product of pace and and space I I don't see bad defense I would tell you if I did I I see the number of possessions per game going up overall the scoring environment is up it's much like where baseball will give you plus stats where fan graphs 
will give you stats based like WRC plus, which gives you run environment. We're in a different points environment right now because of what's happened to creatively designed offenses. The fact that everybody can shoot. It's positionless ball where anybody can be seven feet tall and play any position and do anything on the floor. It's it's I've never seen anything like this in my life where even if you're in front of a guy, the number of logo distance threes, because the shooting ranges have changed the geometry and changed all the vectors, you can't pack in a defense anymore. You can't. Even bad teams have shooters all over the place where you are the ground you have to cover now to get back to help because you can't leave that guy 26 feet away. It's, it's a different sport. And you see Luca do it. You, you, Cat had a great night a couple nights ago. DeMar DeRozan was talking about this earlier in the week. He says he thinks this season someone will score 100 before it's all said and done. I think that's an exaggeration. But if you just look at the number of possessions per game. And that's, that's what he cited. He, he was talking about how the, the, the pace of games and the offensive environment that you brought up. It's funny. You know what's really funny? How aligned you and DeMar are when talking will we, about will we basketball. talk about the game? But then they're like, hey, DeMar, remember that thing that you said about, you know. He knows. Yeah, it's and, just not his game. And, and he's doing a better. He had Did a you really see last a great step in three last it night. It was a two. <laughs> no, I thought that thought the, the one early? was a, the early one was a two. And he laughed and then, about it. He's like, man, I did it again. But then but then later he had a three and they were joking about it. And Stacey and Mark were joking about it, like, ah, that one is actually a three. Well, and he, when he does step in, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah rather than be sort of this catch-and-shoot thing. He's got to be in the right rhythm because his best shots come off his own dribble and not off catch-and-shoot. He's not a catch-and-shoot player. But he's he's had more toe-on-the-line shots than I think I've ever seen in my life just because his, when his body does carry him forward, he will skid over toward the line. By the way, DeMar's shooting 34% from three. <laughs> 10% better than Vooch. Vooch, bad. Uh, and, and this is something I thought I would never say. I like that floor. That Charlotte had last night. I don't ordinarily like all all of that. Like I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to basketball floors. I don't like all this stuff that they got going on. Also, can we have a conversation? No, well, maybe this isn't the best environment for it. What? Look, I'm not calling you leaky black. (laughs) I'm not. The man's name is is Rayshon. Malik Black. His nickname's Leaky. Yeah. It's only the second most racist name in sports right now. It was the first one. Well, that one you we can't even we can't say. say it. But that's we just, oh, can't that's right. even say now the I name. Know. That's right. But that's his actual name. That's someone, not a nickname. How does someone not change that, by the way? You got to change that. Yeah, you change that to like. Something else. Knight. Knight would be fine. Knight. Our last name is now Knight. Because <laughs> the other one, it's a Chappelle skit. Chappelle literally did a skit about this. Of someone whose last name is that? Yes. You never see, oh my, I don't know. Dan, it is, it is brilliant. 
the and the the guys kind of, it was like an old timey like fifties. And they spell it out with the hard R. And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm here to see the little. And, oh, and it's no. it's a good, it's such a funny bit. But with these guys, I'm like, come on. And last you night. Know what that is? That's a variation of the Michael O'Donohue bit with that he wrote with Buck Henry. Yes. That's a variation of the D-bag bit. Yes. Lord and lady. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I kept thinking is I'm hearing Mark on the call. Like, Mark. Also, like having to, well, there's black. Like you have to actually say his whole name because if you just say black, it also sounds super racist. Lord, look, you know, you 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 know my cousin Adam, right? Yes, the doctor. Yes, his last name is Black. black. So we refer to when we talk about the families, and I and he's got a brother whose last name is Black. So we have to realize when Beth when Beth and I are out, we're talking. It's like, oh, are the blacks coming? Like. <laughs> Another Chappelle skit, but but it's there. It's there. This has been my, a different word. My entire life, my entire life. Like, well, who's going to be there? Well, I think it's going to be the Bernstein's and and well, what about the blacks? Are the blacks coming? We get the blacks at the party. Well, which 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 blacks? Well, I think those blacks are going to be there, but I don't think these blacks are going to be there. It's, like, it's their name. <laughs> it's been our entire life. Oh, what are you doing? Today? I, I I swear to God, I, I would call. We're my, hanging with the blacks. I would call my parents. What are you doing there? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna be with the blacks tonight. I think we're just going to be over hanging out with the blacks playing bridge. Okay. Head down to the south side and see the blacks. Yeah, we're going to see But the is blacks. it bridge? Is it going to be bridge? Or spades, <laughs> which is also, you know. <laughs> but that, I never I never thought twice about it until realized it got in public. But like, well, are, are, the, are the blacks going to be there? Yeah, of course they're going to be there. We wouldn't have a party without the blacks. You've got to have the blacks at your party. It's not a party. It's not a barbecue until the blacks show up. Well, if the blacks aren't going to be here, then why are we even, why are we right. here? Why right. are we here? <laughs> right. Exactly. Want to hang out with those blacks. They're yeah. good blacks. We heard that Charlotte, uh, uh, you know, stadium announcer say leaky black a lot. Leaky black. Well, th- that's the, but, but Ray, that's the thing. Worst he porn name of all time. He, he can't be like three point field goal. Black. <laughs> black. So apparently, okay. Rayshon Malik Leaky Black. Leaky comes from apparently his Malik. middle name yeah. Malik. I, I, I totally. I, I don't. And guess what? That's a stretch. It feels like a guess, stretch. Guess what? Your name is Rayshon. Like, I'm, I am not going to be out here calling you Leaky Black. Like, I'm just not. His, just his sound, grandmother. There's gave, something wrong with it. Something wrong with it. Get Eric Collins on the phone and ask him. Don't you feel weird saying Leaky Black? I, I don't know. His his threshold for feeling weird saying no. stuff is probably no. higher than most. Because yeah, he's, he's a wild man. He's he's fine. Yeah. He's a little different. No, there was another NBA topic we wanted to get to. Oh. that was well, it was mostly Leaky Black. <laughs> that was that was covered in a, a piece that Vincent Goodwill did for Yahoo today. Yeah, about this. 65 game threshold. So there's a 65 game threshold if you want to be considered for postseason awards, like MVP, for example. And I'm wondering, do you, it's obviously like a much smaller sample size for the Heisman. That factors into your Heisman vote. Like if a if a kid plays eight games and has crazy stats versus playing 13 games, absolutely has, it does. So even before this. Even though there wasn't a mandate, there were probably people that were like, the guy only played 60 games. How can I vote him MVP? 
I imagine. I don't know. Sure. I mean, that's the your amount of great play is a factor. It's ab, ab, I do think that availability is an ability, and the NBA was trying to force stars to play for other reasons. And Joe Dumars asked about it, said that you're always going to have unintended consequences. That's the first thing. The second thing is you kind of knew the first couple of guys that were going to get close to that mark, it'll become an issue. It was going to become a talking point at some point. It could have been a month from now. The number is what the number is. I'm not surprised. So they thought it through. You know, they knew that there would probably be some controversy. And now you're talking about Tyrese Halliburton and you're talking about Joel Embiid. And, and, and Embiid is studs. Was he five games? And meanwhile, I don't know if you saw if the story. If he misses five more games, he can't be considered for MVP. You saw that uh, the Sixers have been fined $75,000 by the NBA for violation of injury reporting regarding Embiid's absence Saturday. See, mess with people's money. But maybe he's even more hurt than you would think. And that means that like, there might be other people that could end up finding themselves in an MVP race that maybe wouldn't have been there. It isn't just that. The, the other problem that you have is the fact that they've tied in super max bonus eligibility into making those awards. all NBA teams. And you're talking about huge, huge, excuse me, huge amounts of wealth now that are tied in to the, ju- just reaching that number. And you're going to, yeah. now you're incentivizing playing through injury, which makes the product bad. And endangers players because uh, look, I, I I may miss the rest of the season or be in danger of that, but it's worth it to just keep my eligibility for third team All NBA. I feel like this text is making it up, but it's still funny. Same story as Dan, but my neighbors are the Blacks, and another neighbor is a Korean family named Jew. Okay, that's hilarious. J O O. Yes. That is hilarious. I can't believe that you've never seen that skit. Are I'll, we going to invite the blacks and the Jews over for dinner? There <laughs> right, it is. Exactly. There it is. Well, if you're going to invite the blacks, we got to invite the Jews. It would, it would be rude. The Jews said no. <laughs> what about the blacks? They also said no. <laughs> I hope that's actually what if true. You were, what if you hilarious. were mad at them? And what if, I'm, not, I'm never inviting the blacks over ever again. I've had it with these blacks. telling you it's like you you laugh but this is this has been my whole life yeah that's funny to me that's really funny to me yeah because then we were we were like because that's it's 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 my mom's identical twin that married a black i married a black from the south side and from the south side side yes he went to south shore high school Good for her. Yep. I'm glad she married a Southside Black. What happened? You know, honey, we send you away to, 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 to Cornell, and you come home, and you, you bring a Southside Black home? <laughs> the White Sox trying to run away from those Southside Blacks. <laughs> Real fast. <laughs> the 708 says, my wife and I are best friends with a family with the last name Gay. Same issue. Yep. Can't invite the gays over. Well, why not? They seem like good people. I'm tired of him. He's a jerk. 
So no more gays. <laughs> We had a nice stroll through Boys Town with the gays the other day. (laughs) But yeah, Leaky Black. I'm not calling you that. Now, this is a reference for the hip-hop heads because not everyone will get it. But I cannot watch a game involving Leaky Black without thinking about the 3-6 Mafia and Crunchy Black. R.I.P. Yes. R.I.P. Also a problem. But at least he knew it. <laughs> this is true. Somebody just turned on the show and is really confused. <laughs> this is it, a very different it, station. Yeah, the 708 says, I've got a contractor here. I'm turning your show off until this <laughs> bit is over. <laughs> so he doesn't think I'm listening to right-wing radio. All right. We're sorry. <laughs> we'll do We're some, so- we can do some right-wing radio. <laughs> this Taylor Swift is ruining football. How yeah. dare she? She's destroying everything, ruining our lives and eating all our steak and taking away our precious manly fluids through her presence at football games. Damn it. Thank God we finished that segment before. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Oh, I had more, but never mind. No. I, mean, we got I know. I know. Touring and stuff. I can see. <laughs> can't. I was going to continue the bit, but never mind. We have visitors. When we return, some data that is going to make people really, really, really mad. About what? About Taylor Swift. You're going to get so mad, and your manhood is going to be threatened, and your football is going to stick to sports. You're scaring me. That's next. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes, Middays 10 to 2, on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station. There's a lot of really weird, lonely, insecure men out there. Um, The fact that a pop star, the world's biggest pop star, is dating a star tight end who had one of his greatest games ever, and a network puts them on the air briefly, that it bothers you, what does that say about your life? Judge people sometimes on the silly stuff that bothers them. It'll tell you a lot about them. When I hear this whole thing about Taylor Swift, I just want to watch football. Liar. And now the Swifties have discovered Colin Coward. They are. He is the darling of the Swifties now. They're out to call him a zaddy and all sorts of other stuff. Saying he could get it. May I ask what a zaddy is? I assume it's a sexy older man of some yeah. kind. Okay. Y- you nailed it. Okay. Because, you know, sometimes people be calling folks daddy. Right. Yeah, he, he'd be a zaddy. Okay. Yeah. So the Swifties have found Colin Cowherd. Because in Yiddish, Zadie is grandfather. Oh. Maybe that was maybe that's the origin, the the origin, origin of it, that we've gotten that far no away way. from it. No. You sure? I, it, I'm, I'm sure it's not. It, I'm sure it's parallel evolution of some kind with some other meaning. So you want some numbers behind this phenomenon? Sure. Well, I very much would like some numbers because I'm I look how many times how, how often are we going to hear about the, the economic engine that's going to propel Chicago forward when they build a new baseball stadium and bring jobs and, and all sorts of stuff. and prosperity and all will be fairies and elves and no more and crime. Get rid of the crime. Too much crime. It's a city. Everybody's criming. Spending on football has been swift since a certain pop star started rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is from CBS News Money Watch. Ever since Taylor Swift began dating Travis Kelsey and regularly appearing at his games, her legion of fans have also quite suddenly become NFL viewers. 
Many are invested enough in the sport and the Chiefs that they have snapped up game tickets, jerseys, memorabilia, and streaming subscriptions, as well as hosting watch parties. 16% of U.S. consumers, think about that number, 16% said Taylor Swift had influenced them to spend money on football. Holy crap. This is according to a survey from LendingTree, the online lending marketplace. They surveyed 2,000 U.S. consumers. So this isn't a tiny sample. Three-quarters of Americans say they plan to watch the Super Bowl this year. More specifically, 24% of Gen Z and 20% of millennials. I figured the number would be higher for the Say they are more interested in football this year because of Swift's relationship with Kelsey. Wow. This is helping to counter what market research suggests has been declining interest in the NFL and other professional sports among younger viewers in recent years. But notice not of, of the people in the age range of the folks that are saying that they aren't watching. Correct. This is one of their analysts said there's an awful lot of people out there who are more likely to watch the Super Bowl because the Chiefs are in it and Taylor Swift may be there. Nearly 40% of Gen Zers say they've spent money on football thanks to her, while six-figure earners were the most likely to say that Swift had piqued their interest in football. So not only is she driving interest, she's driving interest of among people, people with disposable, I wouldn't say rich, I mean, but I would say people with money that can be spent here instead of somewhere else. That now qualifies as rich, Dan. That is that is amazing. Which is, which is terrifying. Yes, that is well, six figures now is rich. But this is those numbers are staggering. It is. It's maybe I just see the world in a different way. I never thought that it was a bad thing. I understand people being upset by it being so ubiquitous. I get that. But, oh, I'm just tired of it already. Yeah, yeah, but but I figured as big of a run, someone did a really good reel because Taylor's favorite number is 13. Mm-hmm. So they kept like adding stuff up. Like, oh, don't even start with the Taylor Swift numerology stuff. Well, I mean, you'll go down a rabbit hole there. It's Super Bowl 58, right? Five plus eight equals 13. Like there was a there was a whole uh-huh. thing that was going on, and people were kind of fun having a little bit of fun with it. But I. If you look at the the money generated by her and Beyonce in Chicago alone from their concert tour stops here and 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 what type of money they brought with them and then of course you had both of them going out of their way to give extra money to their crews the, the people who the long haul truckers who are who were taking care of them from stop to stop I'm not surprised and we know that the NFL is all about trying to find another place where they can get money. I'm actually surprised that how few Taylor Swift shots during the game we saw on Sunday. It, it, it seemed like they picked it up pretty quickly. That, that oh, well, if we show her that there's going to be more juice and considering that football is the only thing now that rates on television, to add this to it, of course there was going to be growth. It, as long as she's cool with it, as long as, I, I guess the, the cynical way to say it, 
is as long as she's in on the exploitation. And she seems to be. Like, she seems to be having a good time. She seems to, that relationship seems to be working out really well for the both of them. What? I think, no, but the fact that there would be anything other than the presumption that she's in complete charge of what she is doing would be a mistake. Yeah, but her being in charge of, like, her, there's a difference between her being in charge of her relationship with Travis and her being seen. Like, she she shouldn't have to mute herself. Like, she shouldn't have to say, I'll sit in the back of, of the well, suite. Well, she's not. She's up there dropping that, F-bombs. That's what I'm saying. Like, I love that, that she's doing that. And the NFL is like, well, we have someone who's on our property that's super famous. And we get the opportunity. And it's relevant because of who's playing, too. She's not just hanging out. Like she's part of the Chiefs family. So I'm, I'm here for it. I, I think it's good. I think it's, it's a lot of fun. It hasn't, like for all those people that were wondering, well, well is this going to be the, the thing that collapses the Chiefs? That has not been the case. Didn't we go through this with Paris Hilton and Brian Urlacher? Well, that was very different. Very different, Dan. Because at the time, I don't think Brian was divorced. No, yeah, that it was. That was the version of this minus ninety percent of the brain cells. Well, I would say uh, minus the purity. Well, and and it just that was just dumb. That just kind of whole felt, thing was just dumb. That that felt like you know you're hot and famous, and I'm hot and famous. This that this may have started that way, but they seem to really like each other. So great. I'm happy for him. I'm 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 happy for him. I'm happy for her. I'm happy for the NFL. And we'll see what happens as the announcers, oh, well, we've got to figure out a way to This is another thing that made me mad about Tony Romo this year. Real talk. Cuz that dude was living a similar life with Carrie Underwood, right? With, what? with Carrie Underwood and with uh Jessica, Jessica Simpson. Simpson. And he was being real flippant about. He kept saying them. they were married or yeah. engaged and yeah. all that. Yeah, and he got very upset when both of those things happened to him. Get your mouth shut, Tony Romo. How about that? See me, catch me outside. How about that? Another bad baby reference. It's too many. It is just too I, many. I think this is an appropriate amount. Jason Leisure is going. Now he is at the Senior Bowl, correct? Maybe that if is his correct. if his rental car thing came through. Oh. Yeah, we'll have to. He also was called a zaddy on the Sports Adjacent podcast this week. So we'll have more stuff with you okay. about that next on the score. The score! Let's go now. You fired the first shot. Let's go, man. Jason Leisure. I'm here in the studio at the score. This is a very, very special honor for you. There's reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. H-I-T-S, they all stand for try hard. So for the coaches, it's now H is for, hey, don't do that. I is for, I wouldn't do that if I were you. T is for, that's a bad thing to do. And S is for, stop, you're fired. I don't know if I really look at it that way, Jay. Co-host of the Sports Adjacent Podcast. I was driving to my dad's house before recording this. I was like, man, I'm really in the mood for a beer. Just one. And then I remembered, like, all the beer at my dad's house is gross. Jason Leisure with Bernstein and Holmes on the score. Score, score, score. 
Let's talk some football with Jason Leisure on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline. He's on Twitter at Jason Leisure and twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. Jason, what's happening? How are travels? They are uh, they're good, Dan. It's good to be anywhere in the south, uh, just even for a little bit during the wintertime. It's 50 degrees here today in bright yeah. sunshine. We're, we're doing all right here in Chicago. It's, nice try, though, yeah. jerk. Honestly, it's probably about that here, too, in Mobile. But does this happen to you guys where, because I know, Lawrence, you go to Arizona a lot. I know, Dan, you go to wherever you go, Mexico. I don't know if you're a Florida guy. No. Or, do you guys ever have where, like, the first time you leave winter in Chicago for a warm place, you forget about sunburn? No, I don't do that, but I will say, and I, I did a whole pod about this a couple of weeks ago, that when I get back, I have to put my Chicago face back on. What does that mean? It it means that like when I'm in Arizona or if I go to New Mexico or something, and I'm getting sunshine every day, and I I feel like a an, an easier person. And I feel like oh, okay. to walk the city of Chicago, your face needs to be, you know, what I mean? you have to get back into a mindset. And when I was coming back was when it was super cold and I felt myself doing it at the airport. Like as we were all boarding the plane, I felt myself going, you better, you better. The internal dialogue was you better get your bleep together. You are going back home. You are going back to it is going to be negative, whatever. When you get out, you better get your bleep together. Better sunshine Here's boy. You better get it out of your system right now. O- O'Hare beats that out of you. That's what I'm it, saying. Because, because O'Hare's all, yeah. it's, it's also such a dump. And yes. wow. And, and, and compared to so many of these nice airports no, elsewhere. Right. And you and you get back to O'Hare and it's just you're like, oh. Guess I'm home. Yeah. <laughs> and then you walk outside, and there's, like, some guy in front of you smoking. Yes! And, you know, it's just like, oh, and everybody's honking each other. The cop's <laughs> screaming at somebody. And, you're, and your face changes. It, I guess it's, like, even, even coming home from New York. Like, LaGuardia is, it went well, from the. nice now. It went from the worst. They fixed it. Went from the worst airport in the world to the best. It, mm-hmm. It's glorious there. And then I get. And you get home, and oh, man, God, there's nothing worse, too. You get back from yeah. Mexico, and you're in the international terminal at, at O'Hare. Terminal 5. Nobody knows where anything is. They you, Customs barely exist. Immigration. It's like, here, do I have to fill out this sheet? No. A guy, like, writes something out with a magic marker. Get out of here. Yeah, right. Walk over here. <laughs> there's, like, somebody in front of you with live goats, and, and you're like, how do I? <laughs> and then it's like, well, you got to walk up to Terminal 2 to get your Uber. Like, I'm in Terminal 5. Yeah, it's all right. You know, get yeah. on the thing. Walk over there. Terminal 5 is in, like, a different town. Oh, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's, also, why does the whole airport smell like the bathroom? That's the O'Hare thing. They, the entire they, airport, yeah, every part of it. O'Hare. I'm sure that they really appreciate us saying that. But yeah, it like does. It, When's our awful. turn? When are you going to fix us? Like they fixed LaGuardia. When? When is it our turn? I try to tell people it's a lot easier for me to travel out of Midway because I mean I could really just take my pick of heading up 63rd or 59th or 55th Street to get there even if I don't want to jump on the expressway. I try to tell folks, oh, well, you, you don't have to fly only out of O'Hare. 
There's yes. another airport that's yes. just too, fine. Too far from us. De- from depending you, on no, where you, you live. Yeah. We're 15 depending minutes from here. I mean, yeah. Dan, for yeah. you, it's fine. And for Jason, it's really fine. He's he basically yeah. dropped off at his front door when, when he lands right. at O'Hare. But for other folks, like, maybe you don't have to do that. Like, you, know you don't when have I to use, do that. You know when I use Midway, though, is when the weather's bad. Because they always leave. The, the unofficial motto at Midway is send that plane. Yep. Like they're they're going. Have you de-iced it? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Send that plane. Send that plane. Did you have an issue with your rental car too? Is that what we're hearing? No, but I I wanted to ask you this because I Russ Dorsey has frequently and continues to accuse me of being quote bougie about okay. travel, particularly about air travel. Because I used to fly Delta, which I think is the only good airline. It's not real popular where we live because you have to connect everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was doing for because you don't travel that much as a football writer. What was the weird? Was it? Did you fly back from was where was it where you connected through Atlanta? And I was like, was it Cleveland? Yeah. Cleveland to Atlanta to. Come on, fam. Okay, but I'm done with that now. That was a situation where you should have gone out of Midway. That was actually pretty cool because guess who was on my flight from Atlanta oh, that, to O'Hare? That's right. That was the Frank Thomas flight. The big hurt. When you were wearing a Frank Thomas t-shirt and when you saw I him. was wearing a Frank Thomas rookie card t-shirt from Homage, and then I saw the guy. He was It was him. And he was wearing Jason Leisure pants. He a was. J- a Jason yeah. Leisure suit. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But I'm done with all the connecting now. I'm done. Like, I've had it. They moved Delta to Terminal 5. It's too difficult. And as much as that is a good flying experience at a time where I don't know if there is anyone else that provides a good flying experience, I'm done with all the connecting. So I switched. And this trip down here for the Senior Bowl was my first time flying uh, one of the major airlines, uh, I don't want to say. And I was, and it's the one that Russ flies. And I told him I was shocked by how uh, just dingy and ugly the plane the inside of the plane was like a greyhound bus like even first class didn't look that nice like what why are they not even trying and russ while he agrees somehow russ agreeing with that is okay but me thinking that makes me bougie and i just i don't know how bougie i could possibly be as someone who grew up and continues to be very middle class i i wouldn't consider you anywhere close to bougie are you allowed to distinguish between, hey, this hotel room is really nice, and this hotel room is the one I'm going to be at in Mobile this week, and without being bougie? <laughs> it just means you have taste and standards. I'm not. It, how is this? Some, how is it an insult to want? It's not that I. It's not that I won't. I mean, I sometimes have to stay at a, a lesser hotel or fly on a a lesser airline or something because of financials. That's reality for I, me. And for a lot of people, like I, I still will do it, but I think, I think it's okay to distinguish and say, well, this is good. This is not, this rental car is fantastic. This one, it'll get there. I honestly, like one of my favorite memories of Jeff Dickerson were the choices that we would have to make when we were young reporters on the beat. Like, I think I was, God, I think I was 26 and he was 24 we had no money at all, and we were out here covering the Bears. And, you know, with, with the score, you have to pinch some pennies here occasionally. And we'd be like, hey, 
the Lakitas just fine. <laughs> the the Lakitas ends in Jacksonville is just fine, and there was a Shoney's next to it. So let's go. We were bougie as kids. My I remember my brother and I would get mad at my dad for some of the hotels we stayed on the road. My dad would be nice enough to take us on vacation, and then we'd be at a La Quinta that's under an overpass or something, and we would we would be in his ear about it. Dan, were you yeah, at the you free waffles? Were you at the was it the you went to the crack house in Jacksonville, right? Yes, I, I did. That was the King's Inn. Was the actual crack house where the guy had the gun. Tell the story because Jason's probably never heard it. So this That's, is this sounds incredible. This is when uh, Andy Garcia was in charge of our travel and was not experienced at booking. Super Bowl travel for a large number of people. Oh my God, that's right! It was a Super Bowl. Oh my God! And, f- and first Jeez. of all, the, the the Super Bowl in Jacksonville was a bad enough idea because it was a mistake. They yeah. were putting people. There was a cruise ship that was like docked that they were using as a hotel. The city couldn't handle it. But it'll they, never happen again. But they built a stadium, so they put it there. And and we got there. They said, "Yeah, you're at one of the media hotels. It's the King's Inn." And I don't know who got what wrong, but the, we we show up. And we're like, "This is it's it's re- far out of town, nowhere near downtown." The there was of, no like signage nothing, or anything. Nothing out in the middle of nowhere. The sign is barely lit, and we pull in. It's all dark, and we get out of the car, and a cop comes up. And says, what are you guys doing here? They said, oh, well, we're, this is our assigned Super Bowl hotel. We're a media. You got, he said, you got to get out of here now. <laughs> the cop said this. What do you mean we got to get out of here? It's our hotel. So we did go into one of the rooms. I don't know who got one of the keys. We go into one of the rooms. The television, it's an actual, like, tube television mm-hmm. that is broken. There's no screen. It's just a box with a hole in it. This was like in the 2000s. What, what, what year was this? Yeah, the, let's see. Yeah, it was. the The mirror was shattered. The all of the drawers were nailed shut. And then, as we're looking, we're like, we 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 got to get out of here. There's blood stains on the carpet. Oh my gosh! And then we walked. 2005. 2005. And we're walking back to our car. Modern time. We're walking back to our car, and a door opens, and a guy walks out of one of the rooms with a pistol in his hand. Oh, All right. Well, my dad never took us to a so, hotel like that, so he gets credit for that. Yeah. So we ended up finding it was actually a Motel Six. No, I'll remember what it was. But it was Super Eight. It was a Super Eight that seemed like the Ritz Carlton compared I to bet. this place. It right. was yeah. It absolutely. It was a clean Super Eight, and I was like, yeah. I was worried. I said, Oh God, it was. <laughs> The the owner of the Super Eight, this lovely guy, because we're we're saying like, well, I guess they're we're not gonna have a workout room or anything like that. And the owner gives me his keychain and says, "I belong to a gym up the street. You can use my membership." Oh, wow. that's so nice! <laughs> it was super nice of him. But yeah, it was clean and it was fine, and we stayed there. And I will never forget the Doug Buffone like, "We we gotta get out of here." <laughs> Even Doug, yeah. who wasn't scared. Of anything. Right. Yeah, we're going to get out of here. Well, when the cop pulls up, it's like, you have to leave now. And then it happened. Are you up? 
Well, it happened again when you upgraded. Well, when you upgraded it, to the Super Eight, and then Andy so Garcia good. did it again with the Super Bowl in Miami when the Bears were in the Super Bowl, and he put us at some similar hotel. And he's like, "Well, that's all. That was the only hotel around." Mm-hmm. And I said, "That can't be true." And I got I got in the car and I drove around and I found three different hotels that were wide open. And I'm like, look, we're not staying here. I don't know what your major malfunction is, but we're not staying in this hotel. And there are a bunch of hotels that are willing to have us. And it was less money. He did a great job on overnight. Um, I I love that the first hotel you stayed at was called King's Inn because hotels that have something like that in the name never are. Like King's Inn, Executive Inn. Luxury in they are never that thing. Whatever they are called, they are never that thing. It's almost one of those things like as a person, like you want other people to say it about you instead of you saying it about yourself. Like the good hotels don't have to say it. They just say Hilton. You know where Marriott. You know where else that applies. And you know. But the luxury inn will not be that in any way. You You know know that. The King's Inn will have never had a king stay there. The other place where that applies is in the names of countries. When a country tells you it's free and democratic, like oh. like the 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 more adjectives that say people's democratic free republic right. means the more Corrupt. intense the dictatorship is. Yeah. So yeah. You never never go to a country that calls itself the People's Free Democratic Republic of. That means there's a guy with wraparound sunglasses on the back of a jeep holding a Kalashnikov. That's the president. You sometimes have countries with United in their name that are not so United, it seems. See what he does yeah, there? That's, that's, that's why they pay him the big writing dollars. The medium bucks. They pay him. Um, <laughs> since, since we got you for another couple minutes, anything yeah. interesting at the Senior Bowl? Uh, Bo Nix looks really good. No, he doesn't. He looked awful yesterday. He I'm looked, sorry, Dan. Are you here? I saw the tape. I'm did, here. Boots did, on the ground. Did he look good today? He has looked good. They've had three practices down here. You, just because you saw some little snippet on Twitter, don't don't get all okay. I saw him sailing a bunch of throws and dirting a couple of balls. And okay, all right. And there's there is a defensive tackle who's been practicing very well from Florida State, Braden Fisk, who is like a mid round guy. If you're someone that follows the draft really closely and follows college football, and my favorite thing that uh, I got today was talking to a couple of USC players. Uh, about Caleb Williams. What they tell you? And well, they love him as a guy, and they uh, have a kind of a strong reaction to this hobby that everybody has of picking apart his game and talking about that uh, his character is a concern and things like that. And um, you know, these are media interviews, so I, I don't know how transparent they would be about everything. But uh, Brendan Rice is a USC wide receiver who is in the Senior Bowl. And he said, if you pass on Caleb Williams, have fun losing your job. Wow. Uh, that's a strong statement. Yeah. That's a real strong statement. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to put that in the Sun-Times. Oh, before you go, I know that the, the, on the latest episode of Sports Adjacent, you were introduced to the term zaddy. Yeah, trying to be one, I think. Can you walk Dan yeah. through that for a second? Because I was trying to explain it to him. Okay. I think for starters, it's expensive and uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't think buying your underwear at CVS is a good start down this path. Why? You need to graduate more into like the Lululemon gap type underwear. I mean, $30 for a pair of underwear. Bougie. Yeah. 
Well, okay, but well then maybe you're not going to be a zaddy, Dan. That's fine, uh, That's according fine. to the way these guys explained it to me. But it's uh, Lululemon it's wouldn't want any of their product that close to my ass. Trust me. They, they, I think there's a rule in their bylaws that would prevent yeah. that. You rejecting them is like a positive for them. They, oh, they're no. going to love this clip. They, they're going to want you to clip this up. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't he, want anything. Lululemon, not a place where this guy shops. <laughs> well, keep our, Lululemon, keep our stuff away from Bernstein's ass. That, yeah. That's what they would be saying. That's I think it, it basically means, like, even though you're a dad trying to still be attractive to uh, your wife or if you're single toward, you know, people you would want to be attractive to. It well, sounds like it's predominantly about how you dress mm. and... It sounds extremely expensive, uh, especially in the wintertime. I think I could do summertime zaddy, but wintertime sounds like you got to basically dress like Jason Goff, which I, looks very expensive to me. It is. It is. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. I don't think they good, sell though. the clothes that Jason. Oh, of course he does. But I don't think they sell that at Target where oh. I can get like 5% off by using my Target red card. <laughs> Do I sound bougie right now? Come on. No. I'm not bougie. The only thing that you're bougie about is beer. That you're very normal bougie guy. about. That's it. Though. I'm a normal guy who only drinks $19 beers. That's bougie. That's some Just a normal guy. Bougie bleep. Uh, thanks for joining us today. It's much appreciated. Good. Enjoyed talking football with you guys. That was good. As always. That's Jason Leisure of the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, you have you shared a, a video with me in, from the world of college basketball that I'm still laughing about. The fact that, that we now see Chris Collins is almost totally turned into his dad. Well, he did last night. Let's talk a little bit of college basketball because I have something I want to run past Dan, and maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you don't. That's okay. I'm fine with that. We'll discuss next on The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Station, 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 Station. The three rolls off. No good. Rebound, Gillis. Chris Collins is out livid. He's been tossed out of the game by Courtney Green, and this game is over. And it ends with Chris Collins getting ejected from West Lafayette. That shot missed, and Chris Collins was out on the floor in the face of Courtney Green, still upset about the previous call on the baseline. And Chris Collins goes over to give Zach Eady love as he leaves. He shook Matt Painter's hand. He shook Zach Eady's hand. And then he exhorted the crowd as he went through the concourse toward the locker room. That was courtesy Big Ten Network. And... You didn't That's have a lot of Doug, man. Yeah, he didn't. It's just it's a little different where I would need to see him if I'm really going to make the Doug comp. It's a lot of Doug. I, but you, for me to really see Doug in him, I would need to let him cool down and then see him in the postgame because the Doug would be like tie loosened, drenched in sweat, hair all over the place and having what Michael Leahy, the author of When Nothing Else Matters, referred to as a tuning fork vibration. That was always what... It's always just kind of... Just always having this vibration to him because of his intensity. I don't see that in Chris. Chris had enough of... Has, as a coach, he's always had enough of his mom 
in him, I think, where it was sort of like Eric Musselman and Bill Musselman. Very, very different personalities. But maybe as you age, certain things start to come out. Look, I, I go through this all the time with when I talk to my parents, and you know, they're always like, well, you know, you're this. And I, mean, I look almost exactly like my dad. So Yes, no, you sometimes I, I but that's my mom will often say that it just depends on which parent I'm with which makes sense right because you're 50 50 of of your parents and but when it's personality wise like I was explaining to my father how I struggle like I've really struggled getting to like the next level in chess because I think there's too much of my mom in me my dad is like, I am on air pretty much him. Like I'm a bit of a pragmatist, and but when I play chess, like I get mad. Like something happens, but you cannot do. Now there have been times when it sparks a level of creativity in me that I go, "Oh my god, I could be a great chess player if I could just harness that." But I don't, and that is something that is is like. Reach out with your feelings. This is why my dad like always would beat put, me in put, chess. Put the blast I, shield down. I can't. I don't. I can't. It's really, really difficult. So I, I get that that there are times where if you saw me or interacted with me in public, you and then you met my dad, you'd be like, oh my god, like that guy is a clone of that guy. And then there are times when you're like, oh, yeah, but- your mom's West Side came out, huh? There was, but there was plenty of Doug Collins in that because he does look like him, especially as he's gotten older and the hairline has receded a little bit. I, I just, you know, I, I, re- I just smiled when I saw him get not because he got kicked out of the game, but I was just like, I recognize who that is. Mm-hmm. That's your dad. That was you being your dad, and it was very, very cool. The larger point about college basketball that I wanted to work through with you is. I'm someone who loves college basketball. Like, admittedly, I love college basketball. You know how crazy I was last year during the tournament? Like, I'm, I'll am pay attention to stuff. I pick up stuff quickly. I'll research, like, all that stuff, especially when it comes to the NCAA tournament. And this is before, like, just even fan duel it's, stuff. It's become a sport of the tournament. Though. That's what I think. Yeah. I, that's where I think we're at. Yeah, it really is now. I've spent more time this year. This season, I have a rule. My rule is other than your team. Like, obviously, you're going to watch your team, and I, unfortunately, have had to watch mine. (laughs) But I, unfortunately, have had to watch Patriot League basketball, which is a chore. It's not as big of a chore as watching DePaul basketball. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Oh, this is is big white dopes on parade. DePaul's last game, you know how many points they scored? Yeah, but maybe the opponent's good. For the whole game? I'm watching Bucknell against Army. DePaul scored 39 points. Yeah, that's not enough points. That's, that's, <laughs> that's tell, less, tell them how the game ended. Tell them how an, the game that's ended. An NBA that's, quarter. Less, that's less points than minutes. That's an NBA quarter. It's less points than minutes. That's not a point a minute. And at the end of the game, there was a free throw missed, and the guy put it back out of bounds like it was going to go to the ref to to – Check to, to inbounds the ball when really he was just throwing the ball out of bounds. Just threw the ball away. Because DePaul. Anyway. <laughs> so are you sure that's, are you sure that I, Patriot League I, basketball I, is worse? I, it's, it's pretty bad. Occasionally you see something you like, but 
and, and some of the the ESPN Plus broadcasting, like where the audio's all over the place. You know, there's only two cameras. It's all produced by the schools themselves. Yeah, and it just that's rough. It is rough, but at least it can be entertaining. It has not been, but but that's besides the point. I think that you're right. I think that this sport has really just it's the tournament. Now, my what I always suggest to people is. Don't worry about the preseason stuff, the non-conference stuff, unless you're going to go. Like, I think DePaul's playing in Myrtle Beach next year. I might go to that. Like, I think that it's cool to, like, go to some of these places where the non-conference tournaments are happening. But after that, I'm not interested until midway through conference season. So now I'm starting to, like, pick back up and I'm watching certain teams and seeing who's good or who might be on the bubble that sort of stuff. But I'm not I'm not as interested in the men's game as I am in the women's game right now. I've I have in the last week watched two women's games full. And I think maybe I I watched uh Porter, Oklahoma and Texas were playing, and I watched a little bit of that game. I don't know if the if if we when we're looking at college players now in trying to project them out. Zach Eady's going to probably win player of the year again. And he's... I don't like him as a pro at all. That's my point. I I can recognize... Not, I mean, not a... I don't know what he does in the NBA. I don't... I think that's why he went back to Purdue. Because he... If you're him, why not go back to a place where I dominate? I'm not just good. I dominate. Plus, there's NIL money. I can just go back and I can make good money at a place where I'm very comfortable, maybe figure out a skill that can help him in in the NBA, but I just think that he's big and kind of slow and he's going to struggle at the next level. But like, it was like the same thing I say about Kofi Coburn. Right. So what does he do other than be big? I guess I'm trying to figure out what is the reason to watch before we get to tournament time. And we're not talking exclusively about your team. And last, year's, get, last year's tournament was great. It was phenomenal. It was so much fun. And, and players, you had no idea who they were. And teams, you didn't even know. All kinds of cool stuff going on. And Connecticut has another one of those, those, those big about it? dummies. I don't, I don't like him either. Well, What's his name? They have a really great team, too. They have a, yeah, but look, the best player, who, who was the most outstanding player in the Final Four last year? I don't even know. He's a Chicago Bull. Julian Phillips. No, Adama Sanogo. City. Adama Sanogo is putting up huge numbers with Windy City. But he's a borderline NBAer. But that's my thing. Like when we watch, when I watch now, I'm just kind of like, it's just, you know what it is? It's just on. You know how you talk about like ESPN and airports? Like that's what men's college basketball is for me now. now. Maybe it's because I haven't gone out to a game. It's just so hard. When every team is all new players every year, and a lot of these, you, then it became about the coaches, and everything was about the coaches, and showing you one coach against the other coach, and he's jumping and screaming and jumping and screaming. And I get sick of that, too. I get sick of watching you know, Brad Underwood screaming at people. He always looks like he's there's about something getting ready to happen to him. Yes. When he's screaming, like that blood flow to his face is like Brian Kelly. When Brian Kelly used yes. to turn purple, yeah, that leather neck a, in him. That's a great 
Is, are you serious? Dude. He coached at Western for a while. <laughs> That's the leather neck in him. Meanwhile, Studs is in the gym yesterday. This guy is an animal. Studs is? Yeah. Dan, I'm sitting there doing my old man workout. Just, workout. just trying to, you know, deal with what I got. Yeah. I look up. Because, you know, the mirror. Oh, is he, like, doing the thing where he's pushing the sled that's got all the weight on it? They don't he have a sled as, up there. He might as well be. I looked up, and he's doing, like, bear crawls with 45-pound dumbbells. Ow. Like, I was like, what the Like, what is going on? And he's like, Showing off. What I do now is actually not, like, I used to do some way crazier stuff. His warm-up makes me exhausted. When I see him and I'm like, that's just, he's just getting ready. He's not even working out. It's exhausting. But then he's doing this thing. What do you call him? Spider-Man? Spider-Man crawls. Because the guy saw me doing it at the gym once. He said, you look like, said I look like Spider-Man when I do it. He's picking up weights and just crawling across the floor. I did Bulgarian split squats yesterday. Nice. Yeah, I do those with, what, 25... Yeah, 25 pounds in each hand, and, yeah, he, and I do sets of Bulgarian split squats. He was doing this thing with 40s. Hey, when we come back. And 40s. We had 40s playing every 40 hands. When we come back, <laughs> maybe we're going to play What's in the Box. What's in the Box? It may be the greatest gift that a listener has ever sent us. I think ever. Look. We know that we always tell you to come back for a segment. Like, that's our I'm, job. I'm going to go get the box. That's our job is to tell you to come back for a segment. I cannot tell you how important it is that you come back for the next segment. You are going to enjoy this because we enjoyed it, and it was, it was phenomenal. Do not go anywhere. We will be back with what is possibly the best set of gifts that a listener has ever sent us. Next on The Score. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station. Odyssey Station. Odyssey Station. Oh, what's in the box? Oh, and we, by the way, we are going to open up this box and let people know. For the folks on Twitch, you're actually going to get... You're going to get the good stuff. You're going to get an extra piece of this story. If you missed our conversations earlier with Alex Brown, Matt Bowen, or Jason Leisure, or Adam Rittenberg, you can use the Rewind feature to go back and listen. So download the Odyssey app, search 670 The Score, and tap earlier today to get started. So people send us stuff. People send stuff to radio stations. People send stuff to radio shows. We always like to play the game, whether it's a big envelope or a box. We always pick it up, and we and we do the Karnak. We hold it up, and we shake it around. Yeah. Think, well, what, what is this? What Dan is and it? I will usually, like, we get, occasionally we'll get actual mail, and we'll look at, like, how it's addressed. We, get st- and we do get stuff from legitimate crazy people. Yes. Like, we've gotten stuff like books that were sent by anti-vaxxers and... And, and usually it's, I'm a real doctor. Yeah. Usually it's something harmless and it's something. Well, it's my self-published book about how my dad was a Cub fan and now he's dead. Or people have like sent that. us like coupons and stuff like people have sent me stuff for like Huck Finn. And yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's, all, it's appreciated. This is an all time. You don't have to do that, though. This 
this, this was terrific. Is an absolute all timer. So we made our guesses and we were all wrong. And I open it up and there's and there's a note in here, and it's from listener Dean Carlson. Dean Carlson, who apparently has a company called Crab Cake Visions, where he makes stuff. And it says, Dan, Lawrence, and Layla, I'm a huge fan of your show. I wanted to send these to show my appreciation for you and the entertainment you've provided me over the years. Hopefully, they'll provide you with a tiny bit of entertainment for yourselves. And we're getting content out of it. Not looking for a plug. Just thought it would be fun to curate a collection of things that I think match your personalities. The first gift is for Layla. And it's a hat that says, well, now the folks on Twitch are going to get their treat. Life is a flipping nightmare. But it doesn't say flip it. <laughs> so you're seeing the real one here on Twitch. It says, when Layla was telling the stories of the DMs she receives, unsolicited advice, and other inane blathers she deals with on Twitter, all while maintaining her normal, cheerful disposition, it made me think of this. It says, life is an effing nightmare, but Layla, you are still a rainbow. And it says, for Dan. <laughs> Dan, the... The snapback in the style of the Bass Pro Shops logo says, don't talk to cops. It says, let's face facts. We know that Dan's favorite hats all cost free 99 so any hat would do. But I know Dan likes his fishing hat, so I figured he might like this as a new one. It has UPF 50-plus protection from the sun. And, Bernsey, don't let the cops bother you. You know your fishing license is valid. This is awesome. That's a win. And, and lastly, for Lawrence, this hat says, in the style of the, <laughs> of the Hot Wheels logo... <laughs> Hot take, dude. <laughs> it says, I can always count on Lawrence to hit me with an anecdote that makes me feel super nostalgic. So I figured I'd return the favor with this hat. I feel like Lawrence is always pretty measured and the one responding to other people's hot takes. Not necessarily Dan or Layla's, but definitely Parkins. <laughs> Wait, and then he adds, just kidding, Parkins, love you too. So, and then he threw in a bunch of other cool, there's also. Wait, I want my hat. Here, take your hat. We got to just make sure we have Layla's. This is for Layla's back. Okay. But there's all sorts of patches here. There's like a Grateful Dead Popeyes logo that they've got. There's Altered Beast. And there's just so many cool things. So to Dean Carlson. Thank you for the gifts. Thank you for the content. And, yeah, I'll, I absolutely will wear this. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure uh, Layla will, will be pleased when we present this to her I love this. Wednesday. I'm going to be wearing this cap a lot. <laughs> a lot. It is terrific. Thank you so much for sending it our way. Yeah, this is, this is really cool. I needed a new cap, too. Like, that's kind of the weird thing. Like, I actually need a new cap to kind of wear around. Oh, good Lord. Flat brim. So, yeah, th ordinarily we get stuff that we either kind of go, oh, that's very nice, or or we have to give it to the people who handle some of the, the stuff for us when we like, 
this one seems like it might be problematic. Right. This is the best possible gift it's from just, a listener. This is hilarious. And it, just so you know, the, the response that we had, it just made our day before the show to, to get this. So thank you. Much appreciated. We'll do transition when we come back on the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 